Welcome back to Back in My Play. This is episode number 23. This episode, we're going to be doing a twofer. We're going to talk about Sonic the Hedgehog and Sonic the Hedgehog 2 on the Sega Genesis and the Mega Drive video game platforms. My name is Kevin Larrabee, and along with me this week, first off, we have a very special guest. You may know him from the logo that you're looking at on your phone or your computer or potentially on your shirt, Lloyd Parker. Lloyd, how you doing? Good, good. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. I'm fired up to talk about Sonic the Hedgehog and uh, also part two with his little buddy, Miles Prower. But <laughs> before we start talking about that, of course, we cannot stop or we cannot start the episode without talking to Josh Hillier. Josh, what's up? I'm Josh the Human, the fastest Spelunky player alive. I'm wearing my tux with tails. Always ready for action, however. I have my knuckles covered by brass. And with Easter in mind, I hope to find an egg, man. And I hope that egg lasts. Okay, yeah, I guess this is kind of our Easter-themed episode because of Eggman, although that is the bat. That's the worst name for that guy. He is Dr. Robotnik, and he will not be referred to anything but that as we continue to talk about Sonic the Hedgehog. So, Eggman. I agree. We're gonna Eggman take or Robotnik? Which one do you agree with, Lloyd? Robotnik. Okay. That's okay. what's up. We're going yeah. to yeah. drop Josh from the call, and then we're going right. to take a quick break. We'll be right Peace. back. We're going to be talking about the history of Sonic the Hedgehog. So listen to this awesome CD quality sound. Stick around. We'll be right back. Starting with Sonic the Hedgehog first. And I need to mention the release date, June 23rd, 1991. And the interesting part about these games is that they had very similar release dates from their United States and Japanese counterparts. For development of Sonic the Hedgehog, uh, development began in 1990 when Sega ordered its AM8 development team to develop a game featuring a mascot for the company. This is very well known as they're trying to look for a competitor to Nintendo's Mario. After a hedgehog was decided on as the main character, the development group was renamed Sonic Team. A version of Sonic the Hedgehog was developed by Ancient and released for Sega's 8-bit consoles. That includes the Sega Master System and the Sega Game Gear. It was based on the 16-bit version of the game with similar gameplay and premise. However, many aspects of its level design differ, such as stage layouts, boss fight, special stages, and several of its themed zone settings. It also featured a different soundtrack, composed by chiptune uh, musician Yuzo Koshiro, 
which includes his original compositions alongside adaptations of several pieces of music from the 16-bit version. And this is important because guess what he also did? What? The soundtrack for Streets of Rage 2. Uh-uh. And he did other stuff, but that's the only game that ever matters. Um, in most discussions, I think you have a valid point there, yes. Um, after Final Fight, Streets of Rage 2 is a very important game. Final Fight's... <laughs> I'm going to stay positive. Final Fight is not a good game. The in, is, it, is it Streets of Rage 2 that has the boss with the um, minigun at the end? Or sure. is that Streets of Rage 1? No, that sounds about right. I think you're right, Lloyd. I think it's 2. Yeah, I think that's Kevin loves it so much, much he doesn't know who the final boss is. <laughs> yeah, because I don't play all the way to the end of Streets of Rage. I just need a little bit. I need a cup of Streets of Rage. I don't okay. need a whole you know, bottle of it. Yeah. To be fair, it's really hard unless you're playing it co-op. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, the game has sold over 15 – this is the Genesis version, Mega Drive version. Uh, the game has sold over 15 million copies by February 2009, making it the best-selling Se- uh, Sega Mega Drive Genesis game of all time, as well as the best-selling game of the Sonic franchise, which is really interesting considering how many games have been made in the uh, franchise's history. Uh, also, I think it is worth mentioning that this game has been released on – every platform imaginable from the Game Boy Advance to obviously Nintendo's virtual console, multiple uh, compilations, even on the click wheel for the Apple iPod, believe it or not. The uh, producer was Yuji Naka. He is known uh, obviously for the Sonic series, but also worked on Ghouls and Ghosts for the Sega Genesis, which is an awesome version of Ghouls and Ghosts. And, uh, was a producer for Fantasy Star 1 and 2, Burning Rangers, and a couple other Sega classics. Uh, the composer for Sonic the Hedgehog was uh, Masato Nakamura, who uh, also worked on the soundtrack for Sonic 2, so we're going to be talking about that again. Very interesting to note that he was a member of the J-pop band Dreams Come True. So he was doing this as a little side gig mm. to his main gig being... Uh, dreams come true, which man, just go to YouTube, listen to some of their stuff. The uh, other interesting fact I will mention later when we talk about Sonic 2. So, for the virtual console release, it was there at launch with the Nintendo Wii in the United States. And like I said, if you own something with buttons on it, you can probably play this game anyway. So, it's really not uh, worth going through that whole list. So, have you ever played the um, Click Will? I yeah, I own version it. of it. Yeah, um, yeah, I have too. It's 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 pretty rough. Yeah, <laughs> just talking I was gonna about. Say, it. I, I, I imagine the gameplay is stellar with that one. It looked good. It was uh, the it, correct resolution. Um, it's just yeah, the overall experience is. I don't know. I was I was um, on an airplane. I know I'm getting us off track. Sorry. I was on an airplane coming back from Las Vegas, um, and I was playing this on someone else's iPod. And uh, this, the whole thing felt very surreal. It just felt wrong. Um, I was jet lagged and unhappy with the whole thing. Do you jump with the button in the middle? Um, I'm pretty sure, yes. Because that's the only button really in Sonic, right? Because A, yeah. B, and C on the Sega Genesis controller are all the same thing. So, yeah. I believe no yeah. matter where you pushed it, uh, if you pushed down, no, no I, I, I can't remember. This was like forever ago. This is an iPod click wheel. Like, they don't even. So no one buys iPods anymore. 
There was a there, there was a really good discussion on a recent episode of Eight Four though. I was just going to say Ethan yep. Einhorn was there to talk about that the development of that. So go check that episode out. Um, it's just a few episodes back. Um, and what's his name again, Kevin? Ethan Einhorn. Yeah. So everybody, go check that out. Really interesting talk about porting Sonic onto the iPod, um, the original iPod Classic, and he, then sort of where that led in terms of Sega and iOS games. He also had an episode of Retronauts where he talked about the Sonic's Ultimate Genesis Collection with those guys. They grilled him pretty hard. Because I guess uh, you know the previous collections were not up to their uh, standards, and obviously in Japan they have uh, these really awesome Sega Ages collections that we do not get here in the United States. So uh, mm. that is that. So uh, stick around. Here is a commercial from Sonic the Hedgehog, and then we're going to be talking about our histories and memories of said game. Stick around. Gotta go. Hey, guy, you're the first serious gamer I've seen all morning. Check this out. Brand new 16-bit Super Nintendo with Super Mario World. Wow! What's this one? Oh, this is a Sonic the Hedgehog from Sega Genesis. Hey, look at these radical colors, huh? Wow, Sonic's fast, too. No, over here. I like Genesis, and it costs a lot less. Wait, kid, that game I'll take Sonic and Genesis. (laughs) cool snap bracelets neon was in your shoes lit up and it was rad to be bad as josh hillier likes to put it. i think he's got that tattooed on his lower back uh, yes yes it's a tramp yeah, stamp. A, a turquoise zigzag just flew past my face perfect yeah oh we're <laughs> back and say by the bells on i gotta go so with uh, sonic the hedgehog it was really interesting i was gonna mention it in the history but i think it's even better right here where again they were producing a mascot that had to be extreme. Like everything had to be extreme because Mario was slow. He walked really, uh, you've just heard it in the commercial that I played, but Mario was slow. He was boring. Look at Sonic. He's going so fast. Like the camera can't even keep up with him. Blast processing. Oh my God. Sega Genesis, the processor's faster. So with all that being said, wow, uh, we're going to go around. We're going to talk about when we first got whiff of the blue hedgehog and lloyd since you're a special guest i'm gonna throw it off to you first yeah so i was i was really young in 1991 i was four years old so i i don't think i actually seen sonic until maybe 92 and it was around a friend's house and uh as soon as i seen it like i was just totally amazed by it and i asked my parents for the game but i didn't have a mega drive i had a master system sorry and um, so I ended up getting the Master System game as a present 
which was fine. Like I, I really enjoyed it, but it wasn't the game that I seen around a friend's house. And I don't think I was old enough to realize what was happening. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't realize that different consoles had different games. And so I was a little bit bummed out by that. But no, that's, that was the first time that I seen Sonic. So you were playing it on the Master System. Yeah, yeah, which is a good version of the game. Uh, oh, it's a yeah, great I mean, version I, of the game. It, it was on the Game Gear as well. It's the same. Well, obviously, it's the same version. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously not the same game as the Mega Drive game. It's a lot different, but mm-hmm. um, it's still a, a really fun game. But it just didn't have the visual, um, you know, panache. The awesome eight-bit sound of the Game Gear, which. Uh, man, you compare it to the Genesis, it is uh, not as good. But I would recommend if people want to go spend a couple minutes, go to YouTube, check out the soundtrack for the uh, Master System version of the original Sonic the Hedgehog. It's still, it's there. Like it's still the the you know the same melodies that you have uh, known and loved. Josh, how about you? Um, Sonic the Hedgehog was sort of the go-to game in the United States for um, pushing the Sega Genesis. In the United States, the Master System was not as popular as it was, just anecdotally, um, Mm. in other countries from people I've talked to. Um, So, like, the NES kind of dominated that whole scene, and it wasn't until the Genesis that Sega started competing on a big scale in the United States. So, like, every demo kiosk I saw had Sonic the Hedgehog hooked up to a Genesis. Um, The controller looked kind of weird, right? I I was thinking, aren't controllers supposed to be rectangular? Because even when you go back to like the Atari and you know those were square with a little joystick on it, um, ColecoVision, all sorts of controllers, it's like rectangular. Um, so I was just confused by the whole thing. And then this game was just so fast, right? I mean, that was the thing that stood out immediately. Um, is okay, um, like this animation, his feet are like moving in circles. He's running so fast, like a car. Um, uh, I need this in my life. And so I asked for it, and um, being an only child, I received it. <laughs> I received um, Sonic the Hedgehog and a Sega Genesis to play it on that that very first year it was out, and uh, fell in love. So, Kevin, what about you? Well, this is this is crazy because I was video games were my life back in 1991 and 1992. If you were on the playground, if I was going to a friend's house, it was because I was going to play video games at your house or we were (laughs) talking about the latest issue of Nintendo Power or whatever. Like I was knee deep in this stuff and you guys like growing up with this, you you remember how almost laser focused you would be on stuff as a kid because I would go to school, I would draw like video game stuff, like I would be always trying to play Game Boy, all that crap. So mm-hmm. uh, when I saw Sonic the Hedgehog, when I saw the Sega Genesis, my head exploded because it looked way better than the NES that I had at the time. I had two kids that lived on the street that I grew up on. Both had Sega Genesis. Man, that's hard to say. <laughs> one, had, one got the Altered Beast bundle, and he was down the street. And I went over there. And he didn't want to play Altered Beast because it was that horrible syndrome where if someone had you, you like you grew up, you had this game. Like I don't want to play Altered Beast. I've played it a ton of times, but I I'm seeing it for the first time. I want to play Altered Beast. Come yeah. on, let's go. <laughs> yeah. And he was constantly like, no, I don't. So I got to play Altered Alter Beast for like 30 minutes, and we played uh, probably we probably played like Madden football or something like like that on that because I was 
getting bored. Anyways, uh, the other kid that lived directly across the street, same deal. When I first off, we would hang out and we would like play outside and stuff. But he's like, "Yeah, you know, I got this, you know, Sonic the Hedgehog," and he's ha- he had it for a while, and he was holding back on me that he had a Sega Genesis <laughs> and Sonic the Hedgehog in his friggin' basement, and he wasn't telling anyone about it. So. Why was he holding on to that information? Did he, he just think it wasn't interesting? He or? was one of those, yeah, he was one of those kids where it wasn't as big a, big of a deal as it was for us. Because, mm. Mm. again, if I was making any decision with my finances at the time, it was going towards video games. I was buying Nintendo-branded cereal like Josh was talking about last time. I was uh, you know, going to McDonald's and getting the Super Mario Brothers action figures and my Happy Meals. Like It was all that stuff. So... Uh, as uh, I go over to his house, I get to see it for like maybe 10 minutes because of course it's the summer and his mom says, no, you can't be inside because it's too nice out. So <laughs> I would always, I was constantly, I was constantly getting teased with Sega Genesis. So finally I went to the local, it was one of our weird, it was one of those weird things where you had a local rental store that was uh, kind of a mom and pop place. You could go in and you could pay two dollars to play five minutes of any game that they had in their store so my mom was dropping two dollars i got to play five minutes of sonic the hedgehog but guess what since we were kind of uh not well off at the time that was the ceiling for the day financially for me (laughs) so i am still man i'm not playing sonic not playing sonic not playing sonic and i uh didn't get to own sonic the hedgehog until like six months after I got the Model 2 bundle with uh, Sonic the Hedgehog 2 in 1995. Okay, yes, yeah, so a little <laughs> late to the party. I was super late mm. to the party because everyone that I knew had a Sega Genesis. There was three kids. The other kid I knew had uh, a Sega Genesis, but we always played Bulls versus Blazers, and we played Mercs. Like Those are the two games that we played when I went over to, to his house. So Mental note, we need to do a Mercs episode. We've talked about that before. It's, but, my, it's, my, it's yeah. right there. Okay. It's that was, my, a, it was exactly the same with me. Like I didn't get a Mega Drive, and it was the Model 2 mm-hmm. until uh, Christmas of 94. And I got um, Sonic, Sonic 2, uh, the Mega cartridge that came with like six games. Mm-hmm. And, um, oh, yeah. Rock solid. Yeah. And the... The cool thing about this story is that it got stolen about two weeks after Christmas. <laughs> awesome. Oh, yeah. man. Did you have some time with it at least before that? Or were you busy? I, d- I did. I borrowed um, Mortal Kombat 2 off of my next door neighbor. And uh, I loved it, but that got stolen as well. Oh, bummer. Isn't, yeah, it, um, so isn't it warm in Australia in December? Um, I grew up in the UK. So oh, okay. I, it was, I, this was actually England at the time. Gotcha. Yeah, so um, it's freezing, freezing cold. Yeah, I was about to say, it's, it's pretty much just always like that, right? Yeah. <laughs> These games are weird, uh, Sonic 1 and 2, because they overlap for me. Like I said, I, I started with Sonic 2 in that Model 2 bundle, so I might overlap a little bit, or I should say when I talk about Sonic 2, my story will be a little bit shorter. That's, hold on, it's really interesting that you guys both played Sonic 1 and 2 at the same time. I played Sonic 2 more before I ever played Sonic 1. Like, I kind of had to do the reverse. Yeah. Yeah, it was the same with, same with me. Like, I I played Sonic 2, uh, the Mega Drive version, f- I think I probably played it first. Mm-hmm. And going back to Sonic 1 just kind of felt like this weird, um, like the, a weird version of the game that wasn't quite as good. 
Yeah, I guess it felt like a weird like HD port would today or something. Yeah. Because you were used to playing it on Master System, so. Um, yeah, yeah. But you thought it was worse because you were used to the Master System version or something uh, else? I mean, I thought it was worse than uh, Sonic 2 on the Mega Drive because I oh, played that. Yeah. I thought you meant worse than Sonic on Mega Drives. Oh, sorry. Oh, no, Master no, System, no. Master System. I'm getting my... I'm getting my confused because I'm switching back yeah. and forth between what we called it in the West and what it's called in the UK. So, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, the, again, taking a step back for a second, when I got that Model 2, I got some real hits with it. Like I uh, mentioned, Sonic 2 is bundled in the box with two controllers. Plus, I got the classic basketball game like classic arcade basketball game like everyone's played this uh it was it was huge uh barkley's shut up and jam yeah <laughs> which had all just like random dudes plus charles barkley in the game and uh you just one of the guys with the big big dunk stats and also puzzle game when you think puzzle games and sega genesis or you know multi-platform puzzle games that are just classics you think of zoop uh, so my parents did a bang up job getting that, and we we got the Sega Genesis late because we had a Super Nintendo at launch, so it made sense to not have both. And it was just one of those Christmases where, yeah, like Kevin didn't really ask for much for the Super Nintendo, but he's constantly asking for the Sega Genesis, and he's got that Game Gear thing, so we might as well, you know, go the whole way and, and get him. Uh, a Sega at the time, and it was only hundred, hundred or hundred and thirty dollars for that bundle. It was cheap. That's awesome, man. The only sixteen-bit um, basketball game I ever played was Space Jam. Oh, also crap. important in its own right. Yeah. Still, <laughs> Michael Jordan, yeah. Bugs Bunny, all the stars. Yeah, it's a better time of life. So I. When I got my copy of Sonic 1, it was through the uh, often discussed Funkoland location that uh, I went to. And I still, I, I loved it. Like, I played the crap out of that game, and I had this really cool cheat book that allowed me to, to go through all the stages and, and check things out. But uh, I didn't really play it all the way through. I would just kind of play chunks of it. You would play the Green Hill Zone because it's magical. And you would <laughs> then go to other stages uh, and things would slow down, things would get a little bit harder, and you would be potentially underwater, which is kind of uh, a downer for the game. But yeah, you got to talk about that. But it was, it was great because you had fantastic... Fantastic music. Some of the best music that was ever on the Sega Genesis was on Sonic the Hedgehog 1. And I I got reminded of this while I was streaming the game, but the sound effects are oddly satisfying to hear. Yeah. Yeah. Like when you come to rings. Mm -hmm. um, Lloyd, I don't know if this is something that goes on in Australia, but in the United States for a lot of different like gas stations and different little like convenience stores that you will go to. Yeah. They have that sound of picking up rings as the, um, as the sound when At your transaction, yeah. right. And when your transaction goes through at the register. No um, way. Yeah. It's Somebody so cool. Call Sega. What? Um, I, I had a really long conversation at some like 
tiny little city in Tennessee when I was driving through to get to another state um, with with this dude who was working there. And I was like, where did you get this? Why are you playing Sonic Tones um, when I check out? Because I didn't realize it was something that all sorts of stores had. And he was really afraid and didn't understand why I was so freaked out about it. <laughs> so uh, Tennessee. Oh, go ahead. I was just saying Tennessee. That's what it's like there. Yeah, Tennessee is the worst. Uh, it is. Uh, it's the worst. The Grand Old Opry's there. So the yeah, Nashville's uh, pretty good. Okay, sorry. So I was I was constantly dying for this game, and it was what would have sold me on a Sega Genesis. I had no care for sports games really at the time. It was hmm. always getting bombarded with Sonic the Hedgehog commercials, seeing it in Game Pro, uh, seeing the ads for Sonic Two in Game Pro, and uh, I really this was. This is really the only reason that I owned a Sega Genesis at the time were for the Sonic the Hedgehog uh, games, specifically one and two were the ones that I probably played the most. And Josh, like you said, it was the speed. It was uh, the music. Everything was really satisfying. The, the sound effects I was, I was saying before, everything from picking up rings to uh, you know rolling fast, like the, you would kind of get that revving motion, not from, mm-hmm. you know, not from the speed dash, but when you were just going really fast. Also, uh, su- stupid things like when you would uh, jump, spin, and break bricks below you. Uh, like that was a really awesome sound. It was just a complete package of beautiful graphics at the time. Beautiful, and still, even later, beautiful graphics, like super colorful, awesome parallax scrolling, multiple layers in the backgrounds. And uh, Sonic, yeah, he was a badass. Like, come on. I I have like distinct memories of just pausing the game, and you know how you'd pause it and you'd see the different animation frames, hmm. and just going through and trying to draw Sonic. And I mean, without Sonic, I probably wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today, designing and things, because he was probably the first character I ever sat down and drew like over and over and over again. Oh and, no! Uh, but you're not doing it today. You're not on the forums like on the Sonic <laughs> Sonic art forums these days, though, right? Uh, no. Great. Uh, yeah, we'll stick <laughs> with that answer. Um, yeah. Some good came out of this, though. So that's that's really cool, man. Yeah, I mean, that was an I think inspiration for you. I think it's pretty common for uh, a lot of um, uh, people my age. I mean, when you talk to them, I think Sonic was big in a lot of people's lives. And I think it is because he's just, he's not just a product of his time. I think his design is just really, really good. Like even to this day, I think that's probably a part of why he's stuck around so long is because he's just really cool to look at. Yeah. And I love that original Sonic the Hedgehog where he was closer to the proportions of an actual hedgehog had a little bit of a belly and his, and his um, fur was kind of spiky looking. You don't like the humanoid-looking versions of Sonic the Hedgehog on the internet? No, and and now he's wearing a scarf and Sonic Boom, and you know, I don't know how to feel no, about that. He's the original uh, sketches of him with his little pot belly, and he's just yeah. There's something about that um, era Sonic that's just timeless, I think. And those shoes are cool. Josh, did you ever beat the game when you had it? Yeah, absolutely. Did you find it to be hard? No, I, I did find Sonic 2 to be really hard, though, as a kid. Really? Yeah. Um, and even today, I don't know, maybe there's just something about the way my brain is wired that what? Sonic 1 is easy to me and Sonic 2 is hard. All right, spoiler. We're going to save this for a little bit. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Lloyd, did you play all the way through it on the Master System? Uh, yeah, 
Yeah, I, I didn't find that game too difficult. I'm jealous of you because that was one of those uh, Game Gear games that I never got because uh, we've talked about it before, but Sonic 2, I mm. will never talk bad about games on this show, but Sonic 2 is a <laughs> piece of crap on the Game Gear. It is from the start. On the Game Gear, okay. On the Game Gear, yeah, it's really bad. So uh, when you get that as a pack-in on your Game Gear instead of Sonic the Hedgehog 1, which is a fantastic, I think it's a one of the top-tier uh Master System and Game Gear games, uh, it is uh, something that was always high priced at the Funko Land. I could never get that $20 of trading credit at the right time to put it towards a Game Gear game. Instead, I was buying Mortal Kombat on the Game Gear. So, Yeah, and they, I mean, with Sonic 2 for the uh, Game Gear and Master System, mm-hmm. they just went off a cliff. Like It was just all kind of gimmick-based every level. It was and close. It was not- you couldn't see where you were going. yeah. It was completely the opposite of the first game, which was just really well-designed levels. And it probably wasn't as fast as the as the Mega Drive version, but I mean, it was all of the uh, item placements were well considered, and it was just really fun to kind of jump through. Did you guys ever watch the cartoon when you were growing up? I was a big fan of the Sonic the Hedgehog cartoon. Yeah, I loved it. Yeah, wasn't Absolutely it? It was pretty it good. Which one? The the original when he would eat chili dogs. Yes. And uh, when yeah. one ring, when you had one ring, you were a god. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. This is true. And that was Jillio White of um, Family Matters fan, um, fame, right? Ah, so that's why people were saying that stuff on, well, I was streaming it on Twitch. I don't, I couldn't understand what they were talking about. I yeah, they were talking about him. the animated Sonic um, TV show. Wow. That was Jillio White. So props to I- you, Jillio. <laughs> I remember the intro for the Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog and just hearing that music outside of the game was just like magical to me. Like mm-hmm. I was like, whoa, this is like, you know, a real version of the music. Yeah, that's true. Like um, instead of just being like the chiptune kind of stuff we were used to. Yeah. Um, well, I kind of want to uh, wax nostalgic for a minute. Is that okay, guys? Go this is it. Back yeah, in man. My Play, for a podcast for nostalgic gamers. <laughs> um, as the title goes. So um, really good friend, Graham, who I grew up with and then lived with in college and all sorts of other things. Um, he and I had a Sonic the Hedgehog club all through grade school in which we, with other area people, would pretend to be Sonic the Hedgehog characters and like run around outside and like jump on things and like see who could run really fast to like save the day from Robotnik um, and the, you know, those robotic um, crabs and the other various enemies that were in the game. I was always Knuckles. He was always Sonic. Nobody wanted to be Tails. And, um, this is getting you know, really weird. If there was, if there was we, a lady around, she could be Amy. <laughs> let's go. Let's get on a different Skype channel. Uh, I'd, I'd done uh, similar things, I must admit. I um I invented my own Sonic character called Wheels, <laughs> and I I tried to get my friends to call me Wheels as a nickname because I wanted to go fast like Sonic. <laughs> so awesome. were they in the club or did, were they like we don't want to call you Wheels? Did they know why uh, you wanted Wheels? Yeah, no, we were all in it together. We were all you know suspending our disbelief. Um, so who was Knuckles Ooh. in your group? Um, I don't know if we stuck with the same characters all the time. We stuck with the same characters, man. We had like story arcs and everything. 
Oh, whoa. No, we've done that with Power Rangers. Ah, I see. Yeah. There was one where Knuckles um, became an amnesiac. Um, <laughs> lost all memory of everything that had happened in the prior episodes we had written. Well, that's going to do it for this week's episode of Back <laughs> in My Play. Thank you so much for and then joining I drew us. These really I can't cool pictures. do this. And... All right, okay, I'm done. That's my nostalgic story. All right, I'm going to hit eject. We're going to take a quick break, and we're going to go back to the future and talk about revisiting Sonic the Hedgehog. If you guys have anything else, you can bring it up then. i got to get out of here. Take a break. Okay, so we are back in the year 2014. Sonic the Hedgehog is in its 23rd year of existence, and he's had 400 games come out with him or his buddies in it, even Shadow the Hedgehog. You know what they call his friends online, don't you? No. Do you know, Lloyd? No. They call them his crappy friends. Oh, Oh, okay. Uh, They're not all bad. So... The, the first thing that I wanted to bring up before we get into this is that it is very topical that we ended up using uh, these two games as our subject matter for this episode because uh, Lee Alexander actually wrote a uh, editorial <laughs> on the uh, French or the old the 16-bit Sonic the Hedgehog games on The Guardian, correct? Yeah. And... Uh, she had uh, a very strong opinion that the the games themselves were actually not good and that people just looked on them, looked back on them nostalgically, and that they were actually never good. Uh, they were never good video games and that uh, people who liked them – I'm not – this is me putting words in her mouth now – that people who liked them are uh, – like those games are wrong, which – uh, is something I talked about on the live stream, but I I think this is the worst yeah. thing that could possibly happen when you write something. No, I, I pretty much agree with that. The You agree that it's the worst thing that could happen, or you think that these games were never good? <laughs> no, I think it's the worst thing. Yeah, I, I don't agree with it at all, but yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's like anything where if you tell people – Tell fans of something that you're actually wrong for for liking something. Mm-hmm. I think the argument is already off to a bad start because why should you say that I shouldn't like something and start picking out flaws and something? I know people that like, uh, you know, for example, the you know, like the Matrix movies. Even though you can pick out issues with those movies, although I still like to watch them because they're they're really fun. I enjoy uh, watching them. Same thing with the Fast and Furious movies. Uh, don't try to to pick those apart. Uh, so, Lloyd, did you get to check out this article? Yeah, I did. I mean, it's a really well-written piece, as um, Lee Alexander's stuff usually is. Um, mm-hmm. I just think it's, I mean, that's it just goes to show you the power of words. Like, I think it's maybe an, a paragraph, and she just kind of tears the entire series down. <laughs> and it's... You know, it's it's kind of dismissive, but I mean, it's that's her opinion, so that's fine. But it it doesn't mean that um, I agree with it at all. Josh, did you get to to see it? 
Yeah. So as you guys were talking, I was sort of thinking about what I was going to say if the conversation came to me in a moment. And, you know, I listened to the Player One podcast from last week where they talked about it. Um, sort of an ongoing issue. So anyway, um, all that's water under the bridge, though. That's been figured out. So anyway, and I thought about this the whole time I was playing the game. It was a really an interesting question to think about while playing this game is, well, is this good and was it ever good? You know, I don't normally think mm. about it that way, but I did think about it this time when I played it. And um, I'm going to respectfully disagree with um, Lee Alexander. And although I don't really think Sonic... Two is that good today, and I'll explain why later. I think Sonic is still a great game, though. And I think Sonic Three is a great game. Um, mm. I'm gonna pick out one were, choice quote just before you. Hold go. on, let me say this real quick oh, yeah, though. Yeah. They were great games then. Like I, I remember, and I remember reviews, and I remember playing them then, and I remember what they meant for the industry, and um, the new competition and platforming that it created. And an emphasis on speed and frame rate in games, different things like that. To where you know, I think they're really important, and they were good. Well, Sega literally served like they made a name for themselves in the United States with Sonic the Hedgehog. Like they sold a ton of systems with this character. People clearly mm-hmm. enjoyed playing these games, and still today, there are people that are holding out hope for the next Sonic game. Will it recapture the the, the joy that they got out of the uh, original. So uh, one thing I just want to quickly, and we won't spend, we'll spend no more than like three more minutes on this, but um, one choice quote, uh, she says, come to think of it, revisiting the old games is actually a wildly disappointing endeavor. Here's a comforting idea. Uh, what if the Sonic franchise was never that good to begin with? Uh, as he wheels through golden loops and collects rings in our memory, the real life classic Sonic gets stuck on e- on e- gets stuck on invisible pixels, makes frustrated leaps endlessly upward among spinning columns that loom just out of reach. The irksome sounds of his repetitive fruitless jumping, whoop, 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 join the rough hiss of his spin dash engine revving, weep, 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 in an impotent sound collage. It's beautifully uh, written. Sure. Mm. I mean, it's it's a really good atmosphere, for, but still, at the end of the day, like I think it's almost coming at the article with a predetermined <laughs> opinion and then just mm-hmm. kind of picking stuff out without looking at the, the big picture. But um, I just think it's, it's you should go search for uh, Leo Alexander Sonic if you want to read the article on, on Google. You know, the idea of criticizing the sound effects for being repetitive is a really, uh, like, I don't, I don't want to be... Son- Mario jumps a lot too, dude. Yeah, it's like, that seems yeah. like a strange criticism of any um, retro video game in which the mechanics are kind of limited to running and jumping. You're going to hear those things a lot. And the, and the whole like getting stuck on invisible pixels thing, like I paid a lot of attention to collision detection and stuff mm-hmm. when, I was, when I was playing the games because of that article. And um, I really don't think it's that bad. Yeah, no issues. I had no issues. I, I had I zero mean, issues. I had, a, I had a, a couple of issues in Sonic 2, but I'll, we'll get to that later. Okay. So, uh, again, we'll mix things up a little bit. Josh, what was it like revisiting Sonic the Hedgehog for you? Sonic 1 or Sonic 2? Sonic 1. We're still, let's do... do. Yeah. Um, Yeah, okay. So earlier we were talking history. I got you. So um, Sonic 1, revisiting that this time, was... It was good. The game was honestly better than I remembered it being. And I've played it periodically over the years. You know, it's one of those games that's been on so many collections. I'm sorry, Josh. How did you play it? I forgot to to ask that. Did you play it on a Genesis or... Um, 
No, I played Sonic 2 on a Genesis, and I played Sonic 1 on the 2DS, as strange as that oh, is. Oh, cool. Nice. Yeah. The 3D yeah. version? Yeah, that new 3D version on a 2DS. Oh, yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> Wrap yeah. your head around that. But it allowed me to play the Japanese version, mm-hmm. which has the moving clouds and things like that. It's, it's really it's a pretty version of the Interesting. game. Interesting. Yeah. And so you can choose which version you want to play and change some other little things while still keeping it pretty pure. And I'm pretty sure it was M2 who did the port, and they do nice work. Correct. Overall, yeah, they did the GBA ports on uh, Wii U Virtual Console recently and did a nice job with that. So anyway, yeah, I was playing that version of it. And like I was saying, this is a game that it's hard not to play periodically over the years because it appears so many times in so many places. So it's not like I could like I had not touched it at all since the early 90s. I had certainly played it a little bit off and on since then. But um, I hadn't really thought about it as much as I did this past week as I played it. And uh, it, it's just... It was a really fun game to play. It sucks you in really quickly. The mechanics make sense right away, but you kind of realize more and more things you can do with speed as you play the game, which is which is pretty nice. Um, you know, it's a game that's all about momentum. I think that people really get it wrong. This is one thing I was thinking about. I think we remember Sonic the Hedgehog, and developers who make the Sonic the Hedgehog games remember it as being this breakneck speed thing at all th- at all times. Because, you know, he was called the fastest thing alive and all that. But really, it's more of a game about momentum than it is about being really fast all the time. Um, so so it's about, you know, like trying not to have to stop very much and mm-hmm. sort of like stringing combos together from, okay, well, right now I'm spinning down a hill and, and then I'm going to jump up and try to, you know, keep this all in stride and then run really fast and mm-hmm. jump and then spin dive again and go down um, through a pipe or whatever. Or not a pipe, but a little tunnel. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. The, yeah. So yeah. one of those things. So anyway, um, that's one thing that stood out to me is, you know, this game is, although it's fast, that's not really what it's about. And um, I kind of respected it a little bit more for that uh, because it becomes a game of skill when you think about it as um, as a momentum game. You have to learn the mechanics and the physics and really um, manipulate the levels and bouncing off of enemies and things like that so that you can keep that fun, um, rhythmic gameplay going. Mm-hmm. Well put. That's what stood out to me about it. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. How about you, Lloyd? Um, I, I played the game... Yeah, I mean, I really enjoyed the game. I played it on the 3DS, the 3D version. Okay, so give and, me some uh, input on that. How does it play with the the 3D effects in there? Did you did it, you know, enhance the experience at all for you? Was it cool? Yeah, it looks really good. I mean, it was just a really nice way to play it because, yeah, like Josh, I've played it so many times over the years. Mm-hmm. Not really with like a critical eye or anything, just kind of giving it a go. But um, yeah, having the 3D there just kind of brought it to life a bit and um was a great way to play it. Lloyd, can't you choose if you want it to be pop out or sort of like what do they call it? Shoebox mode or something where it goes in? Yeah. Yeah. I like I always like them going inwards for some reason. I think it's uh less strenuous on the eyes and it's kind of like a yeah, like a diorama type thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I yeah, agree. And I, Luigi's Mansion has that going on. Yeah, and they added more uh, layers than there were in the original game. So I think Due to the hardware, you're only allowed two or parallax scrolling, but they kind of faked it so it looks like there's more. And uh, yeah, it looks really good. Right. So, what stood out about the game this time around? Um, the game, I mean, I I really enjoyed the game. It's like 
Um, I think I was listening to Giant Bomb recently and they were talking about the first level, the Green Hill Zone, and how that is kind of the game for them. Like they would play that level and think, oh, you know, that's enough for me. And I can kind of see where they're coming from. I think that it is an iconic level because it's it's so fun to play. Right. And um, I think apart from, as you mentioned, apart from the first level, you you kind of are going through the, the levels quite slowly after that. Mm-hmm. and I think a lot of the skill of the game comes from memorizing the stages, kind of like a racing game. And yeah, that's an interesting analogy. Yeah, and I, I enjoy that, but I, I think I still prefer the flow of, of the Green Hill Zone. And, um, I mean, going through it, I think it's probably only, like, maybe Scrapyard. I think it's Scrapyard Zone. The one that has kind of... Um, Flames coming up in the background, like Blade Runner type thing. Um, yeah, that one. Yeah, okay. Scrap Raid Zone. Yeah, that that kind of lets you um, speed up a bit more, mm-hmm. and I kind of had a lot of fun with that. But um, yeah, I mean, I just I, I love the game from start to finish. But uh, I think I enjoy the first few levels more than the last few. I mean, the water kind of sucks. <laughs> that's the. Th- yeah. I think that's the two points where it really hitches up is the labyrinth zone and and marble zone unfortunately uh marble zone coming right after uh the green hill zone so that might be why you know people start slowing down there's lava there's more obstacles that you can run into there's spikes falling on you there's uh the difficulty ramps up quite a bit from green hill to marble though all things considered in marble hill zone yeah, I, I had no problem with it playing on the mm-hmm. uh, Sega Genesis Model 1, uh, of course, through SCART to the XRGB. And I literally sat down with this game on Saturday and I, oh, sorry, on Friday, and I played it from start to finish in one sitting uh, mm-hmm. for the first time, I think, in my life. And the main things that popped out for me were uh, really. Uh, a, the, the special stages are still a pain in the butt. Uh, and yeah. <laughs> they can be frustrating because you are just, you feel like you have no control uh, sometimes, mm-hmm. but uh, <laughs> still could, you know, yeah. it can be said that it's better than what's in Sonic 2 because at least you don't have to deal with Tails getting hit uh, <laughs> by, by obstacles. But uh, the main thing that stood out above everything was how long this game felt. Having that third stage in each zone really lengthened mm. the game. And it wasn't even you go into the third zone and it's right into the boss. Like you have another full stage that you get to get through that might take you uh, four or five minutes. You might have to retry a couple times. So that lengthened the game out for me, uh, not to get into it just yet, but. I felt like I blew through Sonic 2, where to Sonic the Hedgehog, it felt like a much uh, much more of a slower pace when it came to mm-hmm. uh, going through each one of the stages. I think you're just spending um, so much more time in each zone, you know, just bottom line. Totally. yeah, Because it's literally double the number of levels per zone. A- absolutely. But uh, at the same time, I felt like I was playing Spring Yard Zone, Starlight Zone, uh, and Scrap Rain Zone for the first time in my life. Like I had literally no memories of these because it was the same syndrome that a lot of people run into. I'll play Green Hill Zone. I'll start getting into Marble Zone. I'll die once or twice and say, all right, well, you know, I'm playing it on this. Like I'm usually playing it on a compilation. So I'll play one of the other 30 games that are on the disc. 
because uh, I know what Sonic the Hedgehog is, but the no. the game in my mind, playing it on my fifty five inch TV with the you know upscaler and whatever, it still looks beautiful. I think it is a fantastic looking game, and uh, still I'll put it up against any other soundtrack from the era in terms of just having fantastic music that does not uh, get repetitive, even though you keep hearing the same minute and a half loop over and over and over again in the stage and in all three stages for that zone. So I really got, uh, I was really surprised hearing some of the the tracks that I didn't hear a lot. Uh, like I said, from uh, whether it was like spring yard zone or uh, even starlight zone. I think that that track for that stage is really cool. Um, yeah, it was um, Starlight Zone was the one I was talking about where you get to go fast again. Sorry, not mm-hmm. Scrapyard. Um, I think that's a really cool stage. Scrapyard is kind of like a proto-casino mm-hmm. um, z- zone. It's kind of got the springs and stuff, but it doesn't look as snazzy as as the stage in Sonic 2. But yeah, I think um, the last, the boss, there was a boss in Starlight, which is just kind of heading up. Uh, through the water and you've got to follow uh, Robotnik up uh, kind of like through the shaft and up to the next level and that was a a pain for me (laughs) it was it was intense and again uh, you can watch it on the stream I thought I almost like gave up because my arm screwed and I just barely (laughs) made it uh, at the end so there was lots of times I dropped lots of s-bombs but at the end of the day I I think uh, I don't want to go comparing contrast too much between the two but i think the soundtrack for sonic one is way better than two uh it's it way more enjoyable for me oh them are fighting words <laughs> yeah they're fighting words and we can fight uh in just a minute but the uh final... thought, with the oh, go ahead. sorry i was just gonna say with the with the power of save states on the uh, 3ds i managed to get mm-hmm. all of the emeralds because nice. but yeah like the, those special stages are just a, a huge pain and it's the same with the second game it's one bad thing yeah, um, yeah. Well, Kevin, a minute ago, when he was talking about these special stages, he was saying that at times he just felt out of control, like he had no control over yeah. what was happening. Yeah, um, each each block that you hit sends you in a certain direction, and I think it changes, or you can press a button to make it change, like if it flies you, you know, left or right or whatever. See, yeah, and the thing is that, like, if you ask three different people, they would tell you three different ways that this works. Yeah, it's just really, really strange. Yeah. Well, uh, I think it's a metaphor for life, actually. <laughs> you don't have any control. Oh, man. With, I, I just love the background, like the polygonal fish. <laughs> and the bird. Isn't there a bird eventually? <laughs> yeah. They're all yeah. birds. It's just like bird wallpaper in the background. There's a fish yeah. at some point. Yeah, there's a fish as well. Because I was definitely taking, I was thinking about the fish and. You know, wasn't really thinking about anything else while I was doing that, actually. Also, the, I remember um, Scrap Brain, the second act in that is just so hard. Like, the, the yeah. overall, it's just really difficult. <laughs> it's it's a... I, I, I don't want to wrap it up just yet. Is there any other uh, final thoughts that you had, Josh, on, on the game at all? Uh, yeah, you know I always have um, extra thoughts, so... Yeah, man. Let me let me pull my notes back up here. Yeah. Okay, m- multiple paths. I think we need to talk about that. So for sure, this was a thing that 
when the main competitor for this game, although yes, there were all sorts of platformers from the mid '80s all the way through the mid '90s, mm-hmm. it was it was the most popular genre, like first person shooters are today. Um, still, I, I really credit Sonic as being one of the first platformers to make multiple paths in a 2D side scroller a thing, oh, like yeah. a thing that lots of games started doing. Yeah. Um, and there were and tons that, of them, right? Like there would be three or four paths throughout a level. Right, and a great deal of verticality, you know, like, well, do I want to go high for this path, or do I want to go all the way to the bottom of the level? You always want to go high if you can. (laughs) Yeah. Let's be real. Well, because you want to avoid the water. Yeah. Um, But, but yeah, that really stood out to me in this playthrough as well. Like, this is part of the reason that this game was so cool, Mm -hmm. was the amount of choice that it gave you, and it made replays a lot more fun, honestly, than replays of, like, Super Mario Brothers. I, I think the the level design, there's fewer. But what are we going to compare? Like, we have to really compare this to Super Mario World, uh, to be, to yeah, be fair. Like, that, three to in be World. fair, you're right. But uh, I, I still think uh, there's fewer levels, but uh, the complexity in a lot of the levels is there. That You can definitely justify it. There's a bunch of copy and pasting in terms of the, the level layout. Uh, chunks you could definitely see are copy and pasted from section to section to section from a stage. You'll see a lot of repeats, but it is still a uh, quite a feat, like you said, to 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 see all those different paths throughout a stage. And I think you have to give Sonic credit for that. It's really hard to debate the two, like Marvel versus Sonic. But uh, if you yeah. were going to, like, that's something you would probably put in Sonic's court. Absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. Um, no secret really exits. Stand out. What's that? No secret exits. Yeah, and not an interesting world map like Super Mario World. If we're going to really, you know, compare them. Yeah. Uh, one of one of the things that became more prevalent in later games in the series is the backward spring. Yeah. Where you're running along and then oh, you yeah. just get bounced in the opposite direction, and that happens sometimes in Sonic Two, but Sonic Three, it's just everywhere and. I don't know. That just drives me crazy, <laughs> and I appreciate that Sonic One didn't have much of that stuff. You're, that's a really interesting observation, Lloyd, because that is something that, although I like Sonic Three a lot, that's something that makes what that game is good at. It takes what that game is good at, and it kind of removes that. You know, like this game's all about momentum, and yeah. we're going to shoot you backwards a lot. That's that's not a good thing. Dude, it's like it's, it's like life, man. Sometimes you just get knocked back, <laughs> and you gotta go back. You gotta try to retrace your steps and keep going forward. Beautifully said. Beautifully said. There was a really good thread on NeoGaf. Okay, I know I'm getting us off topic. I promise I'll get us back in just a second. There was a really interesting thread on NeoGaf this past week about um, video game theories that you find to be the most interesting, and they're all kind of like that. They're all like, well, Chrono Trigger is a retelling of the Bible. And um, The Last of Us is an interpretation of the modern game industry. And so, you know, I, I think we can talk about being thrown backwards in Sonic 3 as a metaphor how, for life. Or how, like, a Metal Gear Solid 4 is like a metaphor for Kojima's uh, life, basically. <laughs> yeah, lots of weird Metal Gear stuff. Yeah. Like, that some of the games might not have even happened. That, you know, it was just a VR mission and things like that. Um, so, anyway. Um, I digress. Yeah, I don't think we're going to agree on any of that. One thing that we can agree on is that Sonic the Hedgehog is a classic, and it deserves to be in the upper echelons of uh, video game history. No matter what anybody says, uh, you should definitely play it, and it's one of the first games. uh, 
if and when I have children, that is one of the first games I'm going to introduce them to because I think it is uh, the perfect foundation for huh. a fantastic life. That's a really interesting <laughs> thing. Do you really mean that? That's yeah. the game you want to show your kids? Yeah, I'll play it on like Sega's Super Ultimate Mega Compilation 2030. Yeah, on like also, Class or something. I think there aren't many uh, aspects of Sonic where you can say it's definitely better than Mario game. But I think the boss battles are definitely better than mm. Mario games. I think the music's better too. Um, yeah, yeah I think music. you guys are right about both of those things. But um, the boss battles especially, they're actually fun, which is a difficult mm. thing for a 2D platformer. Fun? Yeah. <laughs> Fun. I really like I really like this Starlight boss where you're flicking the bombs back up him. Okay, sure. But, um, that, back, that's yeah. cool. I like I don't know, I just like the way it feels, like the feedback you get from like throwing yourself into Robotnik and like seeing him flicker. And it's like how many times can I hit him and bounce on him um before I, you know, get hit by something? It's kind of fun. I don't know. Well, in Sonic you have to uh, more or less just jump on them. And in Mario games, you more or less have to jump on them. Yeah. This- they're just different looking. Like if you look at Super Mario Bros. 3, it's jumping on top of, of all the enemies and avoiding their attacks. And same thing with Super Mario World to a certain extent. Yeah. Huh. All right, let's take a quick break. We're going to be right back. And if you can believe it, Sonic 2 is right around the corner. Sonic Tuesdays is coming up. So stick around. We'll be right back. talk about the history of sonic 2 like i mentioned there might be some overlapping between the two games with the people that worked on it but the release date is different it came out in japan on november 21st 1992 and then just three days later in the united states on november 24th 1992 while the original sonic the hedgehog was designed by sonic team in japan development duties for sonic 2 were handed over to sega technical institute or sti in the united states However, experienced Japanese Sonic team members such as Yuji Naka uh, were brought in to work alongside the American developers. Uh, Masuhara Yoshi served as the game's director. The staff introduced new graphical elements such as the special stages with 3D-like appearances and increased the speed of Sonic the Hedgehog 2 in relation to its predecessor. 3D-like? Yeah, like it kind of looked like uh, pre-rendered stuff, almost like Donkey Kong a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember being overly impressed by that as a kid even, though, but I I guess that was a thing. Yeah, I think Sonic 3 was much more like that Yeah, than Sonic 2. The game was originally believed to contain time travel elements and also have a port. uh, It was supposed to have a port to the Mega CD, Sega CD, Sega's add-on for the console. Neither of those reports ended up happening with the game's final release. A port to the Sega CD never surfaced, and time travel was instead implemented in an original Sonic game for the system entitled Sonic the Hedgehog CD. 
The Sonic, uh, Sonic the Hedgehog 2's music was like that of the original, composed by uh, Masato Nakamura, a member of J-pop band Dreams Come True. He's back again. The music began uh, early on in development with only concept images uh, for reference, but having a previous game, uh, but having worked on a previous game meant he had experience in this type of music production already and taking a similar approach to the first game. Uh, he treated Sonic the Hedgehog 2 like a film and designed the music around the atmosphere that he felt the images uh, fell from the images on the stage. Uh, other than the graphics and some discussion with Sonic Team, uh, Masato was given freedom over the music creation, uh, which he believed was the reason why he was able to create, quote, such uh, uh, melodic tunes and unusual rhythm patterns. Uh, some other interesting facts were the addition of multiplayer. You had split screen throughout the game, and you had a couple different multiplayer modes. Also, Yuji Naka, like I said, was back. Uh, other primary producer from SCI was Mark Cerny, uh, who has been on the news a lot lately for his involvement with Sony, the uh, creation of the uh, best video game platform of all time, the PlayStation Vita, and also to... Uh, <laughs> A lesser extent, the PlayStation 4 is okay, too. Uh, Sega launched a $10 million advertising campaign for Sonic the Hedgehog 2's release. The Sega Genesis release in North America and the Sega Mega Drive release in Europe came on November 24th, 1992, a Tuesday. And the release day was promoted as Sonic Tuesday, like two with an S day. Uh, huh. Yeah. Genius. Right mm -hmm. before Mortal Monday. Uh, 400,000 copies of Sonic 2 were sold in the first seven days after release. That was a hell of an MPD uh, month for those guys. And over 6 million in the lifespan of the console. The uh, interesting breakdown that I do not have were how many were pack-ins. I'm always interested to see how many of a certain game's, uh, quote, sales were pack-ins with a console. Because like we said, we got, uh, or two of us got ours with the Model 2 console it was eventually released on june 11th 2007 on the north american virtual console i don't know why i keep mentioning the virtual console release dates but the uh like its younger brother sonic 2 is available on everything that has buttons or a screen something that has electricity going into it you can probably play sonic 2 on it so next time you load up your laundry machine to do laundry, you might as well play Sonic 2 mm. on it. So mm -hmm. that is the history of Sonic 2. We're going to take a quick break, unless you guys have anything else, and we're going to be coming back with our memories of Sonic Hedgehog 2. So stick around. We'll be right back.
So let's talk about our memories of Sonic 2. We're going to be going back to 1992. Christmas season is here. And uh, the big release for Sega at the time was Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Right, really, just a year after release of Sonic the Hedgehog. So they were doing the whole EA Ubisoft annual release schedule uh, before that was even a thing with Call of Duty and Assassin's Creed. Uh, so let's kick it off with uh, our earliest memories. And since you are you are our guest, Lloyd, let's shoot it off to you. Okay, so I I don't think I played the game until maybe 93. And if you remember, 93 was like the year Sonic really like blew up. That was when the both um, TV shows came out. That's when Sonic the Comet came out. So in the in like the schoolyard, Sonic was just like the thing, like it was you know the biggest thing that was happening at, at that point. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I remember just playing it around a friend's house and just being you know absolutely in love with it. That was that was around the time where we would just play those games of you know I'd be Sonic, you'd be Tails, whatever. And yeah, that was a huge part of my childhood. Sonic Two, Sonic Two is just my like my go to game whenever I have nothing to play. So yeah. yeah. <coughs> How so are you, still, Josh? Um, yeah, I remember seeing Sonic 2 um, in magazines, big advertising campaigns. It was like, everywhere, just, man. Yeah, and um, you know, Sega rightly looked at that as this is something that we need to promote like crazy because we're going to sell a lot of copies of it. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, we have evidence of that being what they're known for with Sonic 1. Um, so I knew it was coming out. It wasn't like I saw it for the first time at a demo kiosk or whatever. <laughs> And got it that uh, Christmas season. Had people over a bunch to play multiplayer and uh, really liked the game a lot as a kid. It, it, it's super interesting uh, to, to just kind of look at the atmosphere at the time because Super Nintendo was out. It was in its second, li- uh, second year and you were starting to go up against the likes of Super Mario Kart. Like you had... Uh, mm-hmm. other big franchises hitting uh, the Super Nintendo and Sega needed something like they had to go hard with uh, Sonic 2 and it's interesting that they went with STI uh, clearly they, they went with them because they were able to uh, get the game uh, they had plenty of time to, to work on the game where uh, Sonic Team was pretty much getting ready to work on Sonic 3 and Knuckles so it was a mm-hmm. really interesting time because like i mentioned before it was your uh it was your activision going with infinity ward and uh oh man what's the other company that works on call of duty um, Treyarch and Treyarch. so they're kind of doing their their multi-team setup but uh for me i was just drooling i was uh uh-huh. watching the cartoon and uh literally drooling because we were even buying like the sonic the hedgehog uh spaghettios uh, i remember that was a oh, big yeah. hit in my household yeah so like huh. that is like toxic food i can't believe that's still given to people but it's uh spaghettios uh when when those came out, like we stocked up, we got like ten cans of that, and I had little Sonic faces in my lunch every single day. So uh, I was just looking on in awe, reading, uh, like I said, as in GamePro, uh, reading uh, previews, just kind of stocking up on 
I was literally ripping out advertisements and putting it up on my wall uh, back in 1992 uh, and early 1993 while we like still – there was no way we were getting it because we just got a Super Nintendo. Uh-huh. We barely had any games for that. So I was forced to just watch commercials and uh, hope to see a glimpse of it on TV. Sometimes it would pop up on Nick Arcade, which was a uh, – household favorite when i was waking up at 6 30 in the morning to watch a nickelodeon so it was uh something i saw from a distance until like i said i got the model 2 in 1995 with those uh two classics so none of your genesis buddies in the neighborhood had sonic 2 no most of my friends after that we uh my parents ended up getting divorced and we moved around so my sonic 2 I don't want to bring this up, man. This is a bad memory. But uh, I, after my parents got divorced, like we had the mega Christmas, like the mega buy your kids a bunch of stuff so they don't mm-hmm. feel so bad about divorce. Mm-hmm. And of course, I uh, got a Game Gear with the Sonic 2 pack-in and World Series Baseball. So uh, of course, I also got Legend of Zelda Link to the Past at Christmas too, so it wasn't oh, too bad. Let's yeah. be real. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I was doing okay. So did uh, you guys did you guys watch the other Sonic cartoon, Sonic the Hedgehog, or read Sonic the Comic or anything? Oh, I bought a couple of the comics too, yeah. Yeah. Um I, I bought more than a couple of the comics. <laughs> uh I yeah, I bought every I had I, I think I still have the first issue. What? Yeah, and I have I have like the first four years of it or something like that. And like oh. the first Knuckles issue off of that um side comic that they started doing briefly. I remember that, yeah. Yeah, so I, I, I bought I bought a lot of that comic myself. You guys are on another level. Uh, I really they- liked Sonic, man. <laughs> the theme the theme tune for the other Sonic the Hedgehog cartoon is just incredible. Um, remind me, remind me, Lloyd, of where this cartoon aired. Who was responsible for this cartoon? Um, the other I one. don't actually. It would have been different in the UK. What channel it was on and stuff like sure. that. So I don't really, I don't really know. But uh, people refer to it as Sat AM. So I guess it was on Saturday mornings in America. But um, okay. it came. I know Google it came it. out in September '93. Um, but it had just the most amazing theme song, uh, "The Fastest Thing Alive." Yeah. Okay. Maybe that. Maybe I was talking about the wrong show earlier. Well, he would grab yeah. a ring. I remember from the intro, like he would, he would like grab a ring, then speed up, and then like go away. But uh, it was Saturday morning was, for us too. This one was um, a lot darker than the other TV show. The other TV show was kind of really kiddie, and uh, it had Robotnik and his little minions running around trying to capture sonic but this is the uh, dark hit that this is the empire strikes back of yeah, sonic yeah, yeah 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 not Deep quite stuff. yeah no but um i that, i think that's the one i'm talking about because i remember that theme song distinctly sonic, yeah, the two little enemies really like he had the two little yeah. uh like like you said henchmen that would uh it was the oh god i can't remember their names but i sonic he's got some attitude yeah he eats chili dogs yeah that was that was it's pretty the much thing liar. All right, let's talk about the video game. All right, so uh, again, I pretty much touched on a lot of the stuff. Like I said, it would be a lot of repetition. So uh, the just 
unfortunately, my first experience with Sonic 2 was on the Game Gear, which was nothing like Sonic 2 on the Sega Genesis. I had to wait <laughs> two more years, uh, to, actually three more years, to be able to actually uh, spend some good time with Sonic 2. Uh, I think I actually played it a little bit at that rental store again, but it was all the way after. It was like at the time when Star Fox was also coming out too because I bought Star Fox that day and I think I also played it's so weird how I can just remember video game stuff from my childhood but I can't remember anything else <laughs> Such like so you memory. didn't you didn't like the hand gliding in Sonic 2 <laughs> Sonic 2 is is bad but Triple Trouble on the Game Gear is fantastic you have snowboarding oh, really? it's really good oh it's it's really really good yeah uh, uh, any other personal stories with the, the history uh our personal history with Sonic the Hedgehog 2 before we go to revisiting it. I know we hit on a lot of this stuff in the first uh, first part. No. No. Good. More music. Stick around. We'll be right back. Okay, this is our second trip through time back to 2014, running out of plutonium. Uh, we're going to have to go yeah, and get some uh, Libyans to refuel that thing. <laughs> I am dizzy yeah. from all this time travel. You got to watch out. Get a guard and Sonic 2 did not have time travel in the end. Oh, there was time travel in the video game for Sega C- uh, Sonic CD. And also, there were episodes in the cartoon where he traveled so fast he went in time. And that's bound to happen. Mm. It's the 88 miles per hour thing. But uh, so revisiting Sonic 2, uh, Josh, what was it like going back to this classic? Oh, Um, hold on. Sorry. I forgot to mention one thing with my memories. Can I I retrograde this real quick? Retrograde it. All right. So uh, my Christmas Day, we always had my cousin over, my cousin Chris over, uh, his family would come over and he was into games too and his parents would only let him have portable consoles growing up so he only had like game boy and game gear they didn't want him to own any home consoles so he wouldn't be inside all day but you can play handhelds inside anyways the that never made sense to me but every time he would come over uh for christmas like we would just play it was video games the whole time until you had to eat and then it was more video games and then he would leave so when i got that we went upstairs and we played through like uh, probably the first half of the game through that split screen of sonic 2 and i was at least me i don't know if he was but i was blown away by how we were both playing Sonic the Hedgehog with our own little screens, even though it was you know divided in the middle. Uh, it was so cool. Like I had never seen anything like it. You couldn't play Super Mario Brothers at the same time. You couldn't do it. Impossible. Yeah. You know, it, it did feel like a really big deal, and that's how it was hyped up in advertising. I mean, some of the advertisements, at least, and in all the previews, like you were talking about in Game Pro. I was reading Game Pro at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, that was that was a big thing. Well, it's um, like it's like frame rate. Like the frame rate wasn't great, but you don't really uh, remember that, right? You you just like I didn't notice it yeah. at the time. No, 
The, um, I noticed it today. <laughs> yeah. All I remember from that is like Mystic Cave. It was, you know, ingrained into my memory because mm-hmm. that was one of the levels that you could select. Yeah, you could do special stages, uh, two-player, mm. and it was it was weird because we did the same exact thing for Halo 1. When Halo 1 came out, uh, God, that was six years later in 2001 after I got Sonic 2. We did the same thing, and it was just as revolutionary. But Sonic the Hedgehog 2 was doing it in 1992. <laughs> yeah, when that was not an expectation at all for the genre. Yeah. Just like the uh, multiple paths. Co-op really, split screen, cool man. Yeah, um, and, and that made that sort of a go-to game for a lot of our sleepovers. Mm-hmm. Okay, sorry. So No, it's a great uh, story. Back to our revisiting it, Josh. How did you play it? How did you like it? Um, I played it in two places. I was playing it at first on the PS3 through the, um, I think it was Backbone who ported that one. And that was a pretty good port. It was it was playing pretty well for Mike, me. And Mike a joint. Like yeah, yeah. So Mike, Mike, Micah and the gang. Thank you, Mike. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I played that one for a while, but I don't have two controllers for the PS3 because I just got a. Anyway, it's a long story about the PS3. So um, I looked and found the cart upstairs because I have a lot of games and I don't I don't always even know what I have. And um, I found the cart for Sonic Two, so I was able to play it multiplayer again. I really wanted to be able to do that. Um, so yeah, I did that and it's, it's a good game. I do have some problems with it. Why don't I say the positive thing that I have to say about it first? I really like the two levels per zone approach. I think that makes the game a lot more interesting. It gives the levels much more diversity. Um, and it makes the game feel like it has a better flow all around compared to Sonic one. So, um, I like that, but I feel like this is the game, and people talk about water in Sonic games. I feel like it wasn't as annoying in Sonic 1 as it is in this game. Am, is, am I alone in that? Like, I, I just yeah. feel like the water's more prevalent in, Mar- in, in Mario 2 and Sonic 2. It's more than one zone in Sonic 2, and, and it's really mm-hmm. only used in one zone and for the most part in Sonic 1. And it just feels like yeah, there's I'm- sections where you can fall back down into it when you get past it even and have to redo the whole section again. And it's just so slow when you're in the water. I don't know if I agree with that. I think um, in Sonic 2, I think I think it's just Aquatic Ruin Zone and maybe Oil Ocean. That isn't really proper water because I guess you can jump back out of it. But um, I've definitely had more problem with the water in Sonic 1 in the labyrinth zone I, I just thought that was really kind of not fun to get through whereas at least with the aquatic ruin zone if you stay up high you don't have to go into the water at all yeah um, but, but you know the I oil go on yeah. uh, but go i was on. just about to say the oil the oil ocean zone is not my favorite i think it's probably one of the worst uh zones in the game yeah, um, what you were just saying about, you know, if you stay high, um, if you stay like at the very top of the level, you can avoid the water. I mean, that's that's still, I agree with you. So that does reward high level play, you know, and mm-hmm. memorizing the levels. And I really liked your analogy earlier of calling it, um, saying that the game was kind of like a racing game um, mm-hmm. in terms of learning the level and track layout. But at the same yeah. time, when you think about that, it's sort of like you're punished if you fall to the bottom and you have to, the, you have to play through the game in a way that's not, like Sonic is about momentum and yeah. that just like it kills the momentum. Yeah. It doesn't matter which game it's in. None of the war is fun in these games. I don't think. And I mean, I guess the idea was, well, this, this gives our game more, um, 
diversity. It gives, you know, it's, it's something else. It's a different experience in the game. It's not like you're just doing the same thing all the time. But I would just rather play more levels that are like Green Hill Zone, you know, that are just like really well designed and allow you to yeah. have momentum. Yeah, I felt my opinion of Sonic 2 is that it just has a lot more of those levels than Sonic 1. Like, I think Chemical Plant Zone is a really fun zone. Um, it is. Yeah, Hilltop Zone is a really fun zone that kind of, you know, it's another hilly, grassy-looking uh, zone. But yeah, I think that's yeah. where I like Sonic the most is when you can go up and down hills a lot and you have plenty of, um, plenty of loops to run through and whatnot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, Sonic 2 is a good game. I, I really don't want to come across as like a hater. It's just like it's not – of the three – mainline Genesis games. You know, we're not talking about 3D Blast or anything like that. Um, I just feel like it's the weakest. Oh, time out. Zach Morris, <laughs> time out. All right, so let's let's take uh, a couple steps back of what you guys were, were talking about. Uh, one, Sonic. the statement that Sonic is about speed. Sonic is sold to us as a super fast game. Yeah. Uh, but to play devil's advocate for a second uh, i said momentum by the way sure momentum Mon- yeah what's the difference um I, I think of momentum more in terms of like keeping like up the like, pace a, like what lloyd like kind of keeping up the pace not just going at blistering speed that's right that's right so momentum is is um a pace might be a better word um so just like trying to always keep moving forward mm-hmm. in an interesting way um and I get how you could think that I'm talking about speed. I'm not really describing it well. But I think that Lloyd's right on the money when he says that it's about pace when I'm talking about momentum. Okie doke. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, but at the same time, the, the it's a good platformer, right? Yeah. Okay. So it's still it's still a fun game. Yes. Okay. Uh, so the uh, other thing that I wanted to hit on that you mentioned was the, the liking. I, I totally agree with you. It's fun to go super fast in that game. Like the beginning... Uh, of the uh, second zone, the chemical plant, totally. Like that's what mm. that's what gets you jet. Like you're moving so fast, the game's camera cannot even keep up. Sonic is on <laughs> uh-huh. the outside. Like it was those ads in the magazine where Sonic would like be three pages in front of the ad because he oh, was yeah. moving so fast he could not actually be on the page. So I uh, I, I hear you with that. I think it's uh, just interesting because then those sections are parts where you're not doing anything you don't you don't i get that point you you just you're just you're getting you're pushing right real fast so we're giving lee alexander some giving her some ammo guys i'm just (laughs) saying the uh it's just funny that you you bring that up so i thought i wanted to revisit that real quick i'm not saying i disagree with you no no i mean and it's it it would be fine even if you did though cuz i i appreciate what you're saying there that mm. and and i feel like in the sonic rush games that came out on the ds um that's what they that's the way those developers remembered it and i yeah. i like the sonic rush games pretty well by the oh, way yeah. i'm not drop kicking them but at the same yeah. time you get going so fast in that game that you're not doing anything sometimes and you can't even tell what's happening yeah, Sonic um, Rush 2, man, soundtrack, holy crap. Yeah, great wow. soundtrack. Yeah. And I, I really wanted to play those games this week, but I don't have them and didn't get around to ordering them in time to do them before the episode. Yeah, um, it's funny. I I went back to uh, play Sonic Rush just really quickly, um, and I'd, I think 
because of that speed aspect, it really hasn't held up as much as the, even the original games have. Hmm. Yeah, it's, it's like the developers are misremembering. You know, it, it's, this is the way I remember the game, but it's not really what the game actually was. Yeah, you know, it's not about breakneck speed at all times. So, I, you know, I think you, I think you have a point, Kevin. That that it, as much as I like momentum and I'm championing that as a big part of the game, that there is more to it than that. Okay, uh, so I'm, I'm going to say right off the bat that I had a much smoother time with Sonic 2. Like, I blew through that game uh, really fast. And again, it was uh, fun to watch people make commentary on the live stream because I was people were watching it who had tons of experience with the game where uh, a lot of it was, was really new to me. The whole last two-thirds of the game were practically like a brand-new game. Because I had no memory of it, and uh, when I played Sonic Two back in the day, it was with uh, this awesome cheap book that I got from my Scholastic book order. That seems to come up a lot in the show. <laughs> it's a recurring theme, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but they had every anytime there was anything video games themed in the Scholastic book order, whether it was uh, the Yukon Trail on PCCD uh, or a hint guide that was uh, covering Super Nintendo and the Sega Genesis, we ordered that crap. So. I had that and I had access to the level select screen. So I would always like jump around and I'd play for a couple minutes, but I eventually just finished the final level. And then I kind of didn't really go back to play through the whole game again because it was other stuff to do. Uh, anyways, uh, what I'm trying to say is uh, I think you're trying to say you're really good at the game. I think no, I'm trying to say <laughs> that uh, coming on to Sonic two from Sonic one, I just found it way easier. And the, uh, the stages just went by so fast. Like the stages were a lot shorter and there were fewer stages per zone, but there were more zones. So it kind of evened out, but I uh, really enjoyed the uh, stages in Sonic 1. I liked them because I think they were uh, simpler. Uh, they weren't as complicated in terms of uh, ways to... Uh, Tra uh, traverse them even though mm -hmm. we said multiple paths are one of the positives of the game i think i just uh thought i, I just like the look of so i almost like just like the look of sonic one better I, I i don't know how to put it and it was probably just because it was weird going right from sonic 2 pulling that out putting sonic 2 in and then playing all the way through that uh in one sitting which is maybe not the best way to do it but I don't know. That wonder, was just how I was feeling. I wonder how much of that is that it was a different team that worked on it. You know, that just the game feels a little bit different, even though it's the similar mechanics and whatnot, aside from adding Tails. It's just making fun of Tails because Tails' AI is bad. Like, he dies all yeah. the time. It doesn't matter, though. Like, I don't think that's a detriment because it doesn't affect you if he's dying all the time. The only time it affects you is when he jumps one second later in the bonus stages and causes you to lose rings. Right. Yeah. And I... I, I played it on the PS3 as well, and um, I used save states to get all, all emeralds with this game as well. And uh, the only way I could do that was by turning Tails off completely, so it was just Sonic by himself. Yeah, I think in the PS3 version, can't you play as just Tails if you want to? Yeah, you can, yeah. And I can't jumps, remember if you could do that in the Genesis version or not. Yeah, he jumps higher, but he's slower, so I just I just stuck with Sonic. Yeah, that's the way to do it. 
It's crazy how little we've talked about the bosses in the game. I found most of the bosses to be very simplistic. It was basically just finding the spot to jump on top of them and avoid their uh, usually pretty simple attacks. These are games made for kids. Let's not uh, beat around the yeah, bush. Yeah, this is true. This mm-hmm. was the time when, when the industry looked at its audience as kids specifically, you're right, as, as opposed to today. But uh, the other thing we didn't mention were the final bosses for Sonic 1, which was uh, super simplistic. It was Dr. Robotnik just hiding in cylinders that would (laughs) alternate uh, between uh, five cylinders that could crush you or uh, just you would have to avoid them and then jump into them to damage him. And then eventually he would try to run away and you would hit him one more time and die. And then at least in Sonic 2, you had multiple bosses. You had the mini boss, which was the Metal Sonic, and then you had the giant Robotnik uh, robot mech at the end that I was getting pretty frustrated with, but then eventually figured out to just start behind them and get in a bunch of hits on his ass. And then you're <laughs> in a much better situation of going but, forward. Yeah, the way I do it is, you know how he has that little target reticule that comes down? Yep. Um, I just make him drop in one of the corners, Yeah. Mm. and then you can just get one hit on him, run out the way, and his his little flying punches miss you every time. And mm-hmm. you just do that, you know, seven or eight times, and he's dead. Lot of, that makes a lot of recognition, sense. yeah. Mm. You know, that's what that's what boss fights were built on in that generation. Totally, yeah. I'm not I'm I'm not faulting it. I, I just making another observation. No, and it's true though. I mean, and you know, there were some levels in Sonic Two where the boss fights were well. Okay, the floor is going to fall every time he comes down with his little spike thing right he's going to pull out another panel from the floor so you need to make sure that you're not standing in the wrong place and uh i don't know i i really like the boss fights in the sonic games and i'm going to fix something before people yell at me they're the same number of zones uh or there's one extra zone in sonic 2 compared to sonic 1 so it is actually a shorter game yeah absolutely i I, I feel i I don't know when i was uh, playing sonic 2 i've it felt like a more substantial experience to me just because of the uh, visual variety, I think. Like, it's um, a much better think, looking game, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I think there's 11 distinct like zones if you include the Sky Chase, which is, you know, Tails mm-hmm. on his plane. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I just think it's a, it's a great looking game, like artistically, and the sound is incredible. Like the Chemical Plant Zone music, Yep. is amazing aquatic ruin zone music and casino night music like they're they're all just like really cool how do you feel about casino night lloyd and kevin i'd like to know the how state, both you feel about it i feel like that's one of the more memorable areas in the game yeah i, I think it's fun it's it's more like being in a pinball machine yeah. than a normal sonic stage which is quite cool i definitely wouldn't like every stage to be like that but um it's yeah it's nice for variety well, I'm weird, and growing up, I was kind of obsessed with coin-op stuff, and we, uh, I, I really wanted a slot machine. This is like when I was eight years old. I don't know when I started liking slot machines, but I eventually got like a little mini slot machine uh, as a kid. So for that level, a lot of it involved me just constantly doing the slot machine mechanic over and over mm. and over again. And uh, that was the extent of it. But I mentioned it before. I, I don't think the the music is. I I've, I found the music kind of annoying in some of the stages, even in Casino Zone. 
Uh, so I apologize for that. Uh, I, I know we're not going to see eye to eye on it, but there's uh, a lot of songs. Mystic though, I mean, Cave honestly. Zone. I didn't. I don't like Halloween music or eerie music and stuff. So. No, uh, I think I wrote down the the um, stages that I didn't find that impressive in Mystic Cave and Oil Ocean. Yeah. I wrote meh next to them. Did we so. all write Mystic Cave then? Because I wrote that too. I, I hated the Mystic Cave. Stage. Yeah, what's up with that? But you yeah. saw a lot of elements in that that were used in Sonic 3, like grabbing on vines and stuff. So Yeah, yeah, the foundation was being laid, I suppose. Metropolis Zone, that's dope. We'll play some of that for sure. Yeah, I could go over a little bit of that right now. All right, mm. well, uh, we're going to have to wait a couple minutes. So the uh, last thing that I wanted to make, that looking at my notes is that for 90% of the people that never play these games and that remembers them, it's going to be uh, Green Hill Zone, it's going to be Emerald Hill Zone, and it's going to be the Chemical Plant. Uh, those are going to be the three things that stand out for, I would have to think, for for most people. Because after that, that's when things start to uh, slow down a little bit in the game. And Josh, like you said, I, didn't, I don't disagree. A lot of people are going to remember this as a game where you it is fun when you move fast. Yeah, I mean, that sort of was its hook, you know? I still think it's great. I still think it's great jumping, and I love uh, jumping on stuff, and I think it is. it takes some time to understand the controls of Sonic and his momentum, and mm-hmm. that you have to deal with the consequence of his moment, momentum once you speed up. Like, he's not going to stop on a dime. Like, this was real mm-hmm. physics. I'm just kidding, not real physics. In- <laughs> did either, of you, did no, either no. of you guys get um, Supersonic? Only through the cheats, only through yeah. the cheat codes. So I yeah I'd done it cheating through um, save states basically, but I, I had um, Supersonic by Hilltop Zone, and a, oh, wow. doing doing some of those stages like Wing Fortress with Supersonic is impossible. Like he moves so fast that is <laughs> almost he's almost impossible to control. So in Wing Fortress, huh. yeah, it it really does like you. You can't do any of the platforming, and it's the same in um, um, Metropolis Zone. Like you, you know how you had those blocks that have the little arrows that stick out, and they right. they do like up, then right, then bottom, then left, and you kind of have to time your jumps pretty precisely. Um, you just have no chance when you're supersonic. Um, so a reward that's not really much of a reward. Yeah, apart from boss fights, he's only yeah. good in boss fights where you can just you know, you're completely invincible and you can kill him just by jumping up seven times and he's dead. That's true. And I mean, and the whole point is just that it's something neat to do after you've already beaten the game. It's not something that you do on your first playthrough anyway. Yeah, well, I don't know how people do it without cheating because those special stages are so difficult. (laughs) They are. They they truly are. Um, I find that they're a little bit easier if you're playing with someone in person. And that person knows what they're doing, of course. Yeah. Yeah, I was just doing it by myself as Sonic, um, and that I reckon the game took me twice as long to beat because of those special stages. Like, it mm-hmm. probably took me an hour just to get the uh, all the emeralds. One of the things that Super Mario Brothers and Super Mario World are always going to have over Sonic the Hedgehog are the power ups. None of us talked about power ups throughout the whole episode, uh, and just you reminded me of it, Lloyd talking about going so fast the mm-hmm. speed shoes were usually a detriment 
to what you're trying to do because you would move so fast, you would be out of control and not be able to make the precise jumps that you needed to in the later stages. And uh, I will say it is great to have a shield and the Invincibility song is top tier (laughs) in terms of uh, music in the game, but just something we should note that none of us really thought that we should bring it up like a Tanuki suit. No. Yeah, and we talked about a lot of things, so that probably does suggest that the power-ups aren't really that important. Yeah, and as I was playing through Sonic 2, I was thinking about uh, the Lee Alexander article and what, if anything, was unfair. And I think there were very few things that were unfair. I think in Metropolis Zone, you have the starfish um, that blow up when you're going up the cork- corkscrews. Um, and they mm-hmm. were really, they were unfair because you kind of, you're running along this, um, this nut. So you, so you get to um, go up in the level and then they just explode out of nowhere and hit you. And it's like, they're impossible to dodge. And then I think there's, uh, some platforms in the wing fortress, these gun turrets that flip out and you have to jump on them before they fold back in. And, uh, the collision on those just seemed a bit off and I would fall to my death like loads of times. So uh, Lee is slowly convincing us, I suppose. <laughs> well, that's only two things in the entire yeah. game, so that's fine. I'm still strongly against telling people that they're wrong to enjoy something. Well, yeah, and that it was never yeah. good. I mean, it's one thing to say it's not good today, but it's another to say it was never good. Yeah. Speaking of things that are always great, I think that is where we're going to wrap up the discussion on Sonic mm. The Hedgehog, we're going to uh, hit that final flag, let it spin up in the air, and then find its final spot on the ground. Mm -hmm, But mm -hmm. uh, we will be jumping into – oh, God, I feel like Josh. We're going to be jumping into a ring and then going into some news and discussion uh, sans Josh. Uh, We did this in the past talking to uh, Lloyd. So uh, stick around. We're going to be – doing some more stuff. One thing I want to mention before we go that I forgot to mention off the top is that we are trying to uh, offer some more t-shirts for you guys at teespring.com slash back of my play handheld where you can go and check out our awesome new back in my play shirts. Excuse me, back in my play portable. Man, I messed it up twice today. Back (laughs) in my play portable uh, to grab a back in my play t-shirt. They came out great. And right now I just got an email as an update from Teespring support saying these are all the side, uh, the colors that we're able to offer in this one. So uh, everything is locked in. So order yours. If we get 30 sold, they will be made and shipped out to you. And the first batch that we got were fantastic. So it is really cool that we're able to offer some more. Yeah. And um, I just want to go on air saying thank you, um, Lloyd, for the designs. Yeah, oh, man. no problem. No problem. So uh, stick around. You're going to hear us talk about some really cool stuff, including possibly attending conventions, the PlayStation Vita, the Neo Geo Pocket Color, update on future guests, me asking to the audience to see what you guys want, and uh, much more, including an extra bonus segment at the end that you're going to have to stick around for. So Mm. enjoy this mega super long podcast. Hopefully, we're going to be back next time with Patrick Klepek, but uh, we will see that it's still up in the air. In the meantime, here is some more Sonic the Hedgehog music. So, enjoy. Thank you.
All right, so now that we're done talking about Sonic 1 and 2, we're here for our news and discussion segment, which is not time-sensitive, and it is incredibly not time-sensitive today because we're recording it before we record anything else. So this is, I guess, a reintroduction to to Lloyd Parker. So, Lloyd, what's up? (laughs) Uh, I'm good. I'm good. How are you, Kevin? Uh, I'm still I'm still doing good. We're we're using good. this as almost like a, a warm up segment. Uh, Josh is still in the car transporting himself back to his house to record the podcast. But we have a ton of stuff to talk about, so I figured we would get started and talk about some cool things that have been going on. First off, I want to mention you heard already, but Lloyd has been designing the logos that we've been using for the show and for the t-shirts. And we have a cool version of the t-shirt up right now on Teespring at teespring.com. Morning, this is a long URL, teespring.com slash back in my play portable, which in hindsight, I probably should have used handheld or something like that. But the t-shirt has been, the logo I should, uh, should say has been designed with Portable consoles on there, the Game Boy, the Game Gear, and the Neo Geo Pocket Color. So it is a cool variation that is available in the blue and in the, I think it's called the Heather Gray and also in women's colors as well. And I'm trying to get even more available if Teespring replies to my emails. But yeah, hopefully you guys will go check those out if we can get... 30 of them sold in about a week. Those will get made. And I know, Lloyd, you haven't gotten yours yet, but the T-shirts have come out fantastic. I got a couple from Teespring, and the shirts are really comfortable. The printing is fantastic, and it is a very reasonable price. Yeah, I mean, um, I haven't received mine just because I'm so far away, but I'm really looking forward to it. And I was so surprised at how good quality the um well, how good the blue one looked. It just looks so nice on the uh, kind of reddish logo. So, Yeah, I'm, I'm, I've had experience with other T-shirt printers in the past with my other podcast trying to get things printed uh, online. I remember back in the day, it was Cafe Press. Like that's what you went to to get stuff printed up. But yeah. uh, the quality was just so bad. The, the colors faded. The prices were uh, through the roof and for – roughly like 15, 16 bucks plus shipping, uh, we can get you guys a really nice looking shirt uh, that is something that is wearable out in public. It is not something that you would just want to wear under a sweatshirt or something like that. These are are really cool. And I got to wear it out to the local Target yesterday. So doing my part, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, doing my (laughs) part to, to spread the spread the word on the show. And I know a lot of people out there, I think in total we've sold about 45 t-shirts. So oh, cool. Yeah. It's, it's been great. And again, Lloyd, thank you to you because uh, first of all, you've been really good at, at, you know, taking feedback and I'm not very good at giving like descriptions of what I'm looking for, but you kind of nailed it <laughs> on the head. And yeah, yeah. I kind of have to get used to it working in uh, graphic design every day. You always, the clients are never happy with what you do the first time. <laughs> so, so what so, do you do like day to day? Is it is it basically, hey Lloyd, I need a logo, I need it to look like this. Uh, show me a couple examples. Is that what you're usually working with? Uh, yeah, and also uh, mostly websites. So, mm-hmm. I'll, people will give me a general idea of what they want from a website, and then I'll come back and, depending on the client, they'll say, 
oh, you know, that was exactly what I wanted or, you know, change, change it completely. So you kind of get used to, you know, having your feelings hurt. <laughs> you get used to it after a while. So, yeah. Well, I guess that's how it is. If you're, as a professional, you have to take that feedback and kind of yeah. just go with it. Yeah. So that is uh, the deal with the T-shirts. And down the road, I'm hoping we can do some more uh, variations. We were able to raise, I think it was $251 for the uh, local children's hospital here in Boston. And um, I should say they are having issues with their donation page on their website. I keep trying to donate and it will take the money out of my credit card and then it will put it back on my credit card. And they're in a crazy loop. I have contacted them and they are working on the fix. But uh, for the meantime, that 251 is floating. But that will be going to uh, the floating hospital for children in Boston. And uh, I don't know. We're, we're going to look and see if there's other charities to, to go with in the, in the future. I'm looking at like Michael J. Fox Foundation. Uh, I have some family history with Parkinson's and also uh, some animal uh, rescue shelters that we have nearby and i'm open to suggestions we've talked about extra life doing extra life down the road so we might do a special t-shirt for extra life and who knows so uh, again lloyd thank you for for being flexible with this and doing a great job with all the the cool designs of those shirts i'm happy to just be a part of it and help you guys out so let's talk about some some video game stuff uh first off I am very happy to hear that from our uh, constant discussion, you have been pressured into buying a PlayStation Vita. So, Lloyd, I got to know, what are your <laughs> first impressions with it? How long have you had it? Uh, I've had it about two weeks, yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's just I, I've, I've seen one before because my brother had one. My brother's a huge gamer. And, uh, yeah, I, I still couldn't get over the screen, though. <laughs> I had to get in before the new models came out, so I got the old screen. And uh, it's just a steal at the moment. I think it's 199 uh, Australian dollars, which is just really cheap. I'm pretty sure um, it's cheaper than the 3DS or maybe roughly the same price. So, um, And that comes with a 16-gigabyte memory card. And, yeah, I mean, I've, I had um, Persona 3 for the uh, PSP, so I just transferred that across the first thing I did. Nice. And I, yeah, and then I went out and bought Persona 4 Golden, uh, Dangan Romper mm-hmm. and Virtue's Last Reward. So I've got a whole bunch of visual novels slash JRPGs <laughs> to go through, which is probably a combined, you know, 500 hours. So Persona 3 Portable was the first RPG I went through since, God, I, I, I couldn't even remember what the last RPG was that I finished, but I loved playing that on the PSP. And then I did the same thing. I transferred it onto the Vita and you can do, you can even transfer the save if you have a computer. And uh, that is a cool game. Persona 4 is supposed to be really, really good. I just haven't really sunk my teeth into it just yet. Yeah. It's hard to find the time with those games. Like, did you finish Persona 3? Oh yeah. I put like 46 hours into it. (laughs) Whoa. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm, the only one I've actually started is a Danganronpa. Have you heard of that one? I have. Give me, I'm, it's a, I think you mentioned it's like a visual novel type setup. Uh, what's what's yeah. the, what's the play, gameplay like? Um, there isn't much gameplay. It's kind of, you know, a very traditional visual novel where you just 
talking to characters you have um the setup is you're kind of like an average dude and you get invited to a school of elite um people basically there's like an elite baseball player an elite fanfic writer um yeah it's it's crazy and um you're just kind of an average joe in between them but when you get to the school you're locked inside and you don't really know what's happening and then this crazy uh teddy bear comes to life and starts telling you that if you want the only way to get out alive is to murder someone so people just start dropping and you've got to find out who the murderer who the like who's murdering basically that is uh the the vita is an interesting home for uh, a lot of games <laughs> right now and seriously like the people can make the argument that it doesn't have a lot of retail games but the retail games that are coming to it are very interesting it's a lot of stuff that atlas and uh i think it's uh atcus or uh i forget what the other localization company that's doing a lot of stuff but the uh the games that are coming to the vita are for hardcore gamers put it that way i guess yeah yeah no i think it's a really cool system so far so do you guys have playstation plus over there yeah, we do. I haven't actually um, dropped any money on that yet, but oh. I've, I, I can see that you can get um, Uncharted for completely for free if you're with uh, PlayStation Plus. So I, I see that it would definitely be worth it. it. It's gotten to the point where I've shuffled stuff around a 64 gigabyte memory card on my PlayStation Vita because of all the, the play, free PlayStation Plus games. I know it might be a little bit different in terms of what's offered over there than what is offered here in America, but just from the discounts to the the PSP games, the PlayStation Vita games, the PS1 games that are on my my Vita, it's it's kind of it's kind of crazy. Yeah. <laughs> how much stuff you can put on that console. Yeah. And not to uh freak out too too much, I did buy a on the same subject, I bought a 2DS with Pokemon for $99. It was a sp- oh, cool. Yeah, a special deal at Target. Uh, not didn't pick it up yesterday while wearing my shirt, but I picked it up a little bit early in the week while I was getting some uh, sweet paper towels and some other <laughs> objects that were needed for the house. But the uh, experience is is really interesting. Uh, it, it's man, Pokemon is the same game. I guess it's this, it's the exact same game I played in seventh grade, where it is you yeah. go to a professor, you start catching Pokemon, you walk around in the bushes a lot and you look for animals and you try to beat the crap out of them, not to the point of death, but to the point where they're almost dead. And then you capture them, which is uh, still a very interesting subject for the little kids that are, must be playing the game, but uh, <laughs> 2DS. So did, oh, go ahead. Did you, did you get um, X or Y? Uh, it came with X pre-installed and oh, right. it's, it's weird. Like I, I've played two hours of it, and it's totally okay. I just haven't picked it up in a couple of days, and I don't. I don't know. I'm it's, really. Oh, sorry. It's go funny ahead. because um, I, yeah, I bought that game as well when it first came out, and I, I was huge into Pokemon Blue mm-hmm. and Pokemon Red. Like they're some of my most my like favorite games of all time, and I just never been back to it because every time I've went back, it just feels too similar. And I, I always think I can't kind of relive that 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 memory sort of thing. And uh, I decided to go back this time, and I put about 25 hours into it, and I totally loved it. And I went out with a few friends, and they had it as well. So we were doing, like, the whole, like, 
schoolyard trading the Pokemon and things Perfect. like that. Yeah. And it was really cool. But for some reason after that, it just, you know, fell off a cliff for me. Like I just didn't play it ever again. <laughs> and I don't know why. I think, I think it is that originality thing where after 25 hours, I was just kind of knew where it was going and, you know, it just kind of gets a little bit boring. Well, it's the two the two biggest things with that franchise, I think, are the social aspect, which you got. And I don't have mm. – I'm trying to think off the top of my head. I don't think I have one. <laughs> Part of the reason I do this podcast and I do a lot of the other stuff that I do with the video game, like live streaming, is because a lot of my friends aren't into games at all. And yeah. they're not going to play Pokemon at <laughs> – you know, as I'm a 28-year-old, they are not in the same uh, mindset as I am. But – the yeah. uh the the game is good and the other thing I'm not a completionist like I'm not going to if I'm playing Grand Theft Auto I'm not going to complete every single one of the missions I'm not going to look for every single one of the shards in uh infamous yeah that's the other thing with me in Pokemon is that every Pokemon I see I have to capture so I was going through that game so methodically and I <laughs> I had caught everything I'd come across and I think that's a part of what done it for me as well. <laughs> I just got tired of it. Perfect though. That if if you can get grabbed by that, I think that's awesome. And yeah, yeah, I, I just have like a numb feeling when I'm playing it. Like it's totally one of those things where like I feel I should be feel like I should be watching TV while playing this or something like that because it's so easy and yeah, yeah. it's just I don't know. It's a, like it's a it's a it's a good game. I'm sure it's a good game. But I just wanted to get the 2DS because I'm like, for $99, it comes with a $40 game. Uh, plus, I still have all these DS games that I need to uh, play on something. So, hey, it's the perfect Nintendo DS player, too. Uh, it's cheaper yeah. than getting a DS Lite these days. And it's one of those things where when I spend money on a game, I don't, I don't think, oh, man, I have to complete it. If I got 25 hours out of it, that's totally fine by me, and Hell I'm happy yeah. to sell it back afterwards. So, I mean, I had a good time with it, and... Yeah, kind of move on to the next thing. Absolutely. That's I'll be interested to see how much I use it. I'm still crossing my fingers that uh, Nintendo comes out at E3 with a remodeled version of the 3DS XL and it has battery life that is not on par with the Game Gear and the Turbo <laughs> Express because that's one thing with the the 2DS it actually has worse battery life than the 3DS even though it has no 3D. It what? is, uh, yeah. It's 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 mind boggling. Like the thing dies in two and a half hours of Whoa. of playing. I I think I played it for about two hours and it was blinking red of of Pokemon. I and I I I don't know. Nintendo needs to get that crap straightened out because I with the Vita, I'm not trying to toot horns, not trying to go versus, <laughs> but you can put that in sleep mode for like a week. And have it barely lose a third of its battery life with the 2DS and the 3DS. The sleep mode is really just kind of like turning off the screens, but it's still uh, not really saving a ton of electricity. But yeah, I want every device to be like a Kindle, right? Or or like a Neo Geo Pocket. Like I don't understand why that isn't a priority for them <laughs> because it's it's portable. Like that's what it needs to be. It needs to have a lot of battery life. Well, you're getting spoiled now because you also got a Neo Geo Pocket Color, which is sporting that awesome 40 hours of battery life on two delay <laughs> batteries. Yeah, although I've got to say, I I would like it if it had a backlight. <laughs> well, I got news for you. You can actually mod in a backlight if you have a uh, one of the 
Game Boy SPs. If you can find one of the Game Boy SPs, like find a beat up one that has like a messed up screen or something like that. But it, yeah. as long as it still has the working front light, it's not actually a backlight. It's like front lit uh, mm. on the older uh, SP models. You can take that out of there and you can actually easily put it into the uh, Neo Geo Pocket Colors and have it run off the batteries and you still get like 20 hours of gameplay with a front light. All right, that's cool. I almost did that when the Neo Geo Pocket Color was new because there was this afterburner mod, all this stuff that you could do. And Game Boy Advance had it too, the original one, to get that front light going. Um. So what would what's your experience with the Neo Geo Pocket Color so far? Are you enjoying it? Yeah, I really like it. I've only got three games. I've got uh, the Sonic game. I've got uh, Second Mission. Yep. Um, and I've got the train game that Mike Micah was talking about. Oh, tell me, how, tell me about that. Uh, I have no idea how to play it at all. It's all in Japanese. So I started it up. I managed to get through the menus. And then I got to kind of the first person train view and I was jamming on the buttons and nothing, nothing was happening. So I was like, okay, I'll, I'll come back to this later. Yeah, the, the the cool thing in Japan still in their arcades is that there's like full-sized train simulators that you can play, kind of like we have dr- driving games. But it is such a big uh, subsection of video games that there are yeah. they're all over the was- place. I was just uh, watching the very first episode of Game Center CX, and um, they go to they they have the same train game that I have on the Neo Geo Pocket Color, but the original arcade version. Yeah, and and they test it out in that, and it looks so cool, like the kind of the proper train controls, like the levers that you have to pull and stuff. It mm-hmm. looks crazy, and even though the graphics are like PS One quality three D, it still looks pretty cool. Sure, they. They he did a whole episode with uh, the PS. I think it was the PS One version of that game, and they mapped out like whole parts of Tokyo, so you can literally get in the train in that game, and then the route the route will look perfect as you uh, drive through it. It was painstakingly <laughs> recreated uh, for uh. a train simulator. It's nuts. That would have been so cool if you played that game before you went to Japan because you'd know exactly where to go. <laughs> I wish I did. That's still the biggest thing when I go to Japan. It's getting on the right train and making sure that you are heading the right direction. Otherwise, you can lose a lot of time. You can get lost and you can show up at a train station without any English maps. So yeah. Watch out. I, st- I tried to stick to the ones that have the little English button on the machines. <laughs> yeah, you got to. So, So you've been to Japan. Yeah, I went uh, last year. It was my first time. It was just amazing. Like me and my girlfriend went to Tokyo. We did the usual Tokyo and then down to Kyoto and then back home. But sure. yeah, I mean, it was so cool. Like we went to Akihabara for a day and my girlfriend put up with me walking around there and just geeking out over everything. So that was cool. Just like, wait, I need to look through this whole, like all eight rows of video games. I need to look at every one, <laughs> make sure that it is, you know, if it's a good deal, I gotta buy it. Yeah, I mean, I was—I'm a huge Shenmue fan, and um, when you go into a Super Potato, they have sealed copies of Shenmue um, yeah. as you walk in for seven bucks for nothing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the games all over the place, and even used copies are like fifty yen, a hundred yen. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, and I mean, we went up to the arcade at the top, and 
my girlfriend beats me at all arcade games, so it's just perfect match. Yeah, <laughs> perfect. Uh, so with all that stuff being said, a couple other things that I want to hit on as we look towards the future of back in my play, I am. I, I've been spending uh, the last couple of days really sitting down and looking at what the possibilities are for the show, talking with some people and seeing uh, really w- how this could evolve and if, if it is worth evolving, maybe if it's worth doing more video content with a website or whatnot. And this is going to be really up to the audience. I really need to hear from you guys if you want to see uh, whether it's more video, whether it's uh, doing some stuff on location at certain areas. Uh, I would love to do that stuff, but if we do do it, uh, I'm going to have to look at something like uh, Patreon or something like that to to raise funds because a couple of things that I have been looking at is uh, A, going to the Portland Retro Game Expo and, and shooting and recording some stuff there, audio and video. Also, uh, lots of people on the West Coast might as well stop by uh, and see if I can... Uh, see Mike Micah's uh, crazy basement of video games and uh, see what he's uh, can dig up in terms of cool relics, maybe play some Half-Life on the Dreamcast. So I want to put this call out to you guys. You can email me at kevin at backinmyplay.com, whether it's about this or anything, some feedback on the show, whatever you want to talk about. And let me know what you want to see because Again, I really enjoy doing this, but I think it is something that uh, there's a void in retro video game coverage that I would like to fill. And I don't do it with writing. I like doing it with audio and video because that's kind of what I do with the other jobs that I have. So if you're interested in that stuff, just take a second, email me, Kevin at backofmyplay.com. Just give, give me some input. Let me know what you want to see, whether it's in terms of that or also on upcoming episodes, if you have a certain game you want to see covered or a certain guest that you want to have on the show, let me know. So, I don't know. Lloyd, you want to see I some think, video? Yeah, I'd love to see some video. I think one of the best things about Back of My Play, about the video content that you've been doing and also the podcast, is just, just not being too judgmental about the, the games and kind of understanding that they were made at a different time and place and you you know, you, you kind of had different expectations as well back then. Mm-hmm. So I think um, it's a good, uh, it's a different vibe from other uh, podcasts. So I think that's why a lot of people are appreciating it. Man, that's what it's all about. It's about the positivity and it's not necessarily saying that we can't be, uh, we can't give, you know, feedback on a game saying, you know, maybe this didn't work out so well or in hindsight, yeah. probably not the best idea, but you know, these games are looked back on really fondly. Even, you know, when we had uh, Jonathan Metz on to talk about Mylon Secret Castle, I think that game is <laughs> bad. Like, I think I think that is uh, a bad game, but I can totally respect why it is such an important game for his childhood because it was one of the games that he had, you know? Yeah. So he played it over and over and over again. And even, it, it was so funny, I was before this, I was watching uh, The Unprofessional unprofessional fridays on giant bomb and they even played some of it and uh, <laughs> still looking at him like i can't stand this music this music's terrible in hindsight i should have went back into that episode and replaced all that music with other video games just to make it a little <laughs> bit more enjoyable for everyone else but uh all joking aside hopefully that is uh getting across and we're delivering to to everyone out there and it's great to hear from you lloyd that uh that has been the case with you yeah definitely 
A couple other things. I want to uh, quickly give a shout out to a couple people. I was lucky enough to go to a uh, PAX Boston on Friday night. Uh, PAX Boston was this past week. And I was able to uh, meet up with uh, CJ of Player One Podcast, uh, that sports gamer, TJ Lowerman, uh, Rich Grisham of uh, Front Row Podcast, and also Cat Bailey was there. I got to meet uh, Z Farls, who actually writes the book on Madden, <laughs> which is kind of crazy. And I didn't even realize that till I got home and like saw him on Twitter and his pictures on the Prima Guide for uh, Madden 25. But uh, always great to, to meet up with like-minded people. We had some very interesting discussions. None of it was recorded, and that's probably for the best. <laughs> but so some personally i would have been geeking out over cat bailey it was funny because i didn't know <laughs> she was coming to the dinner and of course i mean both of us we've probably read a lot of her stuff whether it was on one up or game pro uh us gamer now she's doing a lot of work for them and of course on yeah. retronauts she's been on that for you know the the past couple of years unfortunately i don't think she has been on very much uh in the last like year or two since they've redone the podcast with the Kickstarter, but uh, she yeah. is super knowledgeable about uh, RPGs and sports games. So uh, that was cool to hear her take on some of the the newest in the RPG sector. Yeah, cool. Uh, so shout out to them. Check all their stuff out. And finally, uh, update on guests that we have coming on the show for the next couple weeks. Uh, still waiting to cross my fingers that we can work something out to have Patrick Klepek on for next episode to talk about Yoshi's Island. The uh, next couple of guests after that are uh, Greg Seward from Player One Podcast to talk about Metal Storm. Let's see. I've been in contact just over this past weekend. Like I said, I had some time to kind of sit down and, and organize a lot of stuff, talk with uh, Kurt Collada on coming back on the show. Maybe we'll do some more crazy PC Engine stuff. Uh, I don't know. Kurt has. Oh, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, um, when the eventual Shenmue three Kickstarter is announced, then you can do. <laughs> then you can do Shenmue two. I I keep looking at Shenmue two. I still have a Xbox copy of it. Yeah. So don't play that one. Don't play that one. Yeah, I know. I got to get the PAL release of the the Dreamcast version. I've played maybe ten hours of it, and it just kind of. I went right into it after beating Shenmue 1 for the first time. Yeah. So that probably wasn't the best idea, but I was on a real high, and then I just kind of got busy with other stuff and needed to take a break. But I hear it's pretty good. Yeah, in terms of the actual gameplay, it's definitely improved over the first one. I mean, there's way more stuff going on, uh, a lot more more fighting and Mm -hmm. things like that. But um, it, it it definitely has a different feel, and it's it's probably wise not to play it until you know that the story can continue because you'll be in the same hell that everyone else has been in for all these years. Don't spoil it. 10 year old. <laughs> I, that's still one of those things that bugs me. It's like, don't, it's not a spoiler. It's 10 years old. And then there's like a, like a re-release or something like that. And brand new people are trying to play this stuff. So, yeah. uh, that, no, that's, I, I got to the point where a little bit farther than this, but you get to move crates in this game too, believe it or not, but you don't get to do it with a forklift. You do it by picking them up and moving left to right while you're getting orders from your boss. Yeah, in the Japanese version, he's like, niggy, niggy, niggy. Yeah. 
Left, left, left. <laughs> right, 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 right. And you get a you get a hammer on that left uh, left directional pad. So that is man, it's an interesting game. I should probably take a look at at grabbing that. But the uh, yeah, so that's that's the upcoming guests that we have. Oh, sorry, uh, Phil Theobald, also of Player One Podcast, uh, has been. Uh, I've been talking with him about coming on. I think we're going to be doing either Mega Man Three or we're going to be doing Jackie Chan's Action Kung Fu for the Whoa. PC Engine. Both nice. great games. Uh, I think that is it. So what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to say this is the end of the show. Right now, this is the the end of the show. I might be riffing with Lloyd since we have about 10 minutes to uh, talk about stuff before Josh gets here. So this is from here on. This is extra. This is stuff that is not scheduled. It might not be uh, top tier as the rest of the, the episode <laughs> was, but if you want to hang out, content. yeah, it's bonus content. Content. We're going to hang out and talk about games. I got a couple topics in front of me that I want to discuss, and then also uh, talk about some of the ideas that I have for uh, future future content on the show. So, if you're done with the podcast, if you think I've had enough, it's probably been about two hours. I want you to go to backofmyplay.com. You can check out some more stuff on there. Check out our back episodes. You can go to. Uh, teespring.com slash back in my play pocket to check. Oh, no, it's the back of my play. Portable. Back. <laughs> Man, I can't even get my own. Uh, back in my play. You're correct. Back in my play. Teespring.com slash back in my play portable to get the portable version of the t shirt with the awesome handhelds on there in blue. In, uh, Let's see what this color is in blue. We got uh, gray. We got women's colors. And hopefully we're going to get some more colors on there as well. But uh, those T-shirts have come out really well. The quality has been fantastic with what we got from Teespring. I'm super happy with it. And I am incredibly uh, anal about my the quality and comfort of my T-shirts. I hate like that cotton, like 100% cotton. I hate that stuff. I like the blended stuff. It's way softer. It holds up a mm. uh, lot longer. So. Yeah, well, there can't be there can't be too many other T-shirts out in the world that have a Neo Geo Pocket color on them exactly. or a Game Gear. Oh, so I know. If uh, you're a fan of those consoles, this is probably a once in a lifetime opportunity to get a T-shirt with them on. Oh, a perfect salesman! Uh, yeah, Thanks. once in a lifetime opportunity. You can pick up these shirts. They're going real fast. We only have fifty left. <laughs> Order now. Eight hundred five 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 B I M P. That kind of works. So you can't you can't lie about the numbers because they can see it on the on the website. <laughs> oh, that's true. But we still need to sell about at the time of recording. We get to sell about twenty five more of these shirts. And uh, again, this is a, a really cool variation of logo. I can't promise that we're going to do a reprint, but for now, you can uh, get in on those and you can wear that proudly in public and have people say, "Oh, I totally remember the oh, Game Boy. What's but what's the one up on the upper right hand?" Yeah, it's a Neo Geo Pod color. You got to go to eBay right now and buy one. It's got 40-hour <laughs> battery life. You can get in this whole discussion. Check out back of my play. They got really good Neo Geo Pocket episode. So, uh that's that and make sure to follow us on Twitter at twitter.com/backinmyplay or at @backinmyplay on Twitter. You can also Follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash or at Kevin Larrabee. That's with two R's and two E's. You can find me on both of those if you need to. And also you can follow Lloyd on Twitter. Uh, and it's yes. the, the Par Master. Yeah, that's right. The Par, P-A-R Master. 
Is that a golf reference? No, <laughs> no, that's because my last name is Parker. That makes and sense. I kind of had this cheesy nickname when I was growing up of Parmaster. All right, we'll do it. Follow him at the par master all one word obviously no underscores anything like that and you can check out josh at at joshua hillier uh, i don't think he's had any uh crazy drunken tweets lately so uh, <laughs> but it's always cool to to see if he does so this the show's ending right now this is the end of the show but we're gonna keep talking so uh what i'll do is i'll play some music right here and then we'll continue to talk about some off-topic discussion stuff afterwards if you want to not change the channel. So stick around for that. Otherwise, thank you as always for listening. Thank you for downloading on iTunes. If you are, please write a review. That's the best way you can support us right now is a review on iTunes. And you can check us out, like I said, on Twitter, youtube.com slash back in my play. Hopefully I'll be doing some more stuff and I'll be doing some more streaming at twitch.tv slash Kevin Larrabee, I am out of breath. Uh, thank you, Lloyd, so much for, for coming on the show. Uh, we no will worries. be talking about some Sonic in a minute, I guess, or I guess in the past. Yeah. You got to think fourth dimensionally, as Doc Brown says. Thank you, as always. Uh, we'll see you next time. Hey, guys, after the fact, I realize this is already two hours and 15 minutes long, so here's just some music. Don't worry about the other stuff. Thank you, as always, for listening. We'll see you next time.